What's going on, motherfuckers? Welcome to the Crocs and Hot Pockets podcast. My name is Knackers, and today is March 2nd, 2021. And uh, this is episode number 138. I did not put seven on the podcast. And tonight, we have the beautiful, the sexy, the filled with pizza from toes to lips. Uh, Technically, Alex, how you doing today, dude? (laughs) I'm doing quite sexual today, I actually think. God, you know what? You're one of the first people I saw with clear framed glasses, and I'm like, oh, I think I could pull that off. Bro, I can see out the sides of my eyes, dude. <laughs> it's a, I literally, I bought them. Okay, I'm in the store. I'm like, I'm talking to the lady t- selling them to me, which, fuck glasses, by the way. They're expensive. Yes, they are. But So I'm talking to her. I'm like, yeah, I like the clear frames because I can see out of my periphery better. And it was like, you could see the light bulb, like, I didn't know that was a pot, like, I didn't even think about it. I'm like, yeah, I could see out of my peripheral vision. I don't have this fucking dark thing hanging over my face. I look sick. What's that to love? <laughs> and so when my girlfriend first got, or when she got her newest pair of glasses recently, she was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but like, I don't know if they did the lenses right because the... The ends are warping. I'm looking yeah. around and all of the ends are warping. And I'm like, are you sure it's not just because the, the glasses are clear? And she's like, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've gotten some really terrible glasses over the years. And like when you go to like a good place, like one of those like boutique shops where they charge you like $500 per lens, which I was fortunate enough to have someone give me a deal once, you know. God, it was nice. Wait, like, are you talking about a thousand dollars for a pair of glasses? Yes, I got a deal. It was like half off. Jesus, mine were half of your half, and I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, these are cheap. These are like this costs like maybe two fifty. Okay, insurance, which is still outrageous. But uh, no, when you get really nice glasses, like there's a very clear difference in the quality of the optics they use for the actual glasses, right? And like. Because these, like, you know, like how you have, like, when you, like, take a photo and you put it in Lightroom and it's like, you want to fix the chromatic aberration and the, like, barrel distortion of the lens? The same thing is true with actual glasses. Like, they have chromatic aberration. They have color shifts. They got all kinds of problems. And if you get shitty glasses, that's why you hate glasses because you get crappy lenses that are garbage. And Right. So go to VisionWorks. Get get insurance somehow i don't know who you have to fight to get it like you know if you got to win a a a duel to the death it's worth it uh go to vision works get the clear hd they're almost not terrible (laughs) i i don't even think i've heard of that place before so i'd have to see if they're around um i'm coming up on probably a year and a half and me not really understanding uh how glasses work or how glass works um, I was using Windex and paper towel to clean them every oh once my. in a while. Come so- on, bro! <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, that one guy from the the Greek movie used it. Why can't I use it? And so that then ended up being a, a a terrible decision. So ever since then, I've been using my pretty microfiber cloths and cleaning them well. But um, good boy, good it's, boy. It's still the damage was done. The the, <laughs> the micro scuffs. There, there's no going back at this point. Um, so I think I'm ready to get a new pair pretty soon. Yeah, I would I would recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you had glasses for? Uh since I was a kid actually. Okay. Um and it's funny, like people are always like, I hate my glasses, I hate having white glasses. I'm like, 
I would much rather wear glasses than have to touch my eyeball every day to be able to see with friggin' contacts. I don't know how people do it, man. Yeah, I can't. I have not got into the contact world quite yet. Um, my girlfriend has had glasses since she was like, I think she said she was like seven, maybe, yeah. maybe a little bit older than that. But she's she's had them for a long while, and I am actually glad that I had to get glasses because. Once I lost my hair and it was nothing but skin and face and like my facial hair wasn't really growing in so well at that point. I'm like, I need something else. I was on on the verge of getting like a Mike Tyson tattoo. I'm like, I need something to take the attention away from my fucking face. (laughs) Oh, my God. But um, anyways, so the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, one, your shit cracks me the fuck up. Uh, (laughs) And just that. That TikTok that I posted in Nepos Vox Discord the other day of you screaming about the rock music, I, I kid you not, I watched that probably five or six times over. Um, nice. n- not only that, I appreciate your uh, your dedication to the craft. Uh, you know, I, I grew up uh, in photography. I didn't quite get into videography until I would say like the past couple of years. So having photography in common, um, knowing how knowledgeable you were, I, I think it was your OBS recording tutorial that you put on YouTube that was like, oh, okay, this guy, this guy fucks. He knows what's going on. Oh, I fuck all right. My <laughs> wife's pregnant, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> no, that, that, that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, but no, I just like, I was like, you know what? This sounds like a, this sounds like a guy who fucks that also needs to, to come on the podcast and, and have some fun. So please d- take a little bit of time Tell me and, and the people listening who you are, what you're about, how you fuck. Just give us like a, a mild, a mild summary of who you are as a person. I I can tell you everything except how I fuck because that's a fucking trade secret. <laughs> okay, fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. No. So my name's Alex. If you guys haven't figured that out already, uh, and I, I guess was at this point a commercial freelance photographer and video production person. So. For basically since I was like 17 and I'm 33 now for that entire time, basically until last year, I was doing like part time work at like a music venue or like a UPS store and freelance photography. And eventually doing a nine to five job got to the point where I just I mentally couldn't do it anymore, which I know is an incredibly privileged thing to say, but I ended up getting fired from working at the UPS store because I just, I couldn't function. Like I, I was like a zombie and it you was like, the, you couldn't function doing a nine to five and you're freelancing or just being a nine to, it was a nine like, to five. It was like all of the above. It was like the group, like I, part of me realized like it is such an extreme waste of time for people like everyone. This applies to everyone to have to sit in one place for eight hours a day doing nothing like filling out orders and like listen i respect the shit out of everyone in the retail industry but like everyone in the retail industry should be able to afford to go to college get a really good job doing something they love like there shouldn't have to be cashiers society should be in a position where we can just be like hey do you want to be like a lawyer or like a car mechanic or like uh you know an artisan here, here's 50 grand. Just go to any college you want and boom, you're good. And so I got, I got fired and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it basically forced me to just go full in on being a creative professional. 
And so I freelance did freelance photography and videography. And the whole thing is like my dad is a, he's a freelance commercial photographer. And I was basically following in his footsteps. I worked for him a little. I worked for myself a lot. And over the years, you know, I've I got like a shelf of cameras. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, but like, you know, I I did it professionally. Like I know a lot of people when they say I'm a photographer, like they take some pics, they post on Instagram, maybe they take some photos and models, whatever. I I put together jobs and I get paid for them, or I used to before I started doing video editing. So like I have like the real like outsider to YouTube and Twitch stuff experience with the commercial industry. Gotcha. But then I also did a lot of commercial video work as like a DP, second unit director, first unit director, camera operator. Um, I did like grip, gaffer, like all of the jobs that you would do on a set. So I have a lot of experience with like this sort of stuff, like making video content outside of YouTube. But also <laughs> the whole time, the whole time that YouTube has been a thing, I've been making content on YouTube in some capacity. Uh, I've deleted channels. I've started new ones. Uh, and the current ones that I have now are like, they're old. Like I've had them since like forever. Right. And so I've been doing that for a long time. And I guess my, the, the elevator cliff notes version of this is that I was a freelance professional and now I make YouTube videos for a living. Um, they're not my videos. I'm a video editor, producer, and writer for another channel. And we've been working together for a really long time. And last year, because of the pandemic, uh, and me not wanting to photograph weddings anymore because I was transitioning from commercial to wedding to like start a wedding business, and so eventually I could retire at some point in my fucking life. Right, right, <laughs> some um, point. Yeah, and they're like, but I weddings just weren't it, man. So the guy I work for was like, "Hey, do you want to work full time?" And I was like, "Yes, yes." So and then the God. pandemic happened, and it was like perfect timing. So I got lucky, basically, and so now I'm a full time video editor and. It's uh, that's my life, I guess. I don't All know. right, sweet. So even more similarities there. Um, my dad also grew up uh, a freelance photographer. He has been doing it professionally since before I was born. Uh, Same. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're only three years older than me, or you mean your dad? Uh, both. I don't know. <laughs> no, my dad. Yeah. Okay. No, my dad's been doing it for forever, and he's gonna he's gonna be ninety and still shooting. I swear to God. Yeah, my so my dad definitely he transitioned over to video. So he started. Um, I don't know what he did before. I had a brain before it got wrinkles, but he when growing up he was in the automotive industry. So he was downtown working for the big three, shooting um, the auto show and just doing cars and stuff like that. And then when automobiles and that whole market crashed in yeah. two thousand and. That was when I was in high school. So like anywhere between two thousand, yeah, anywhere between like two thousand five, two thousand seven, that totally went down. Um, and then he was do also shooting really expensive glass. So there was a huge um, blown glass uh, like market down here in Detroit. Like a lot of people who do all that sort of glass art. And he would like people would drop off like that Pelican case that you had. People would yeah. drop off Pelican cases like 50 times the size. And he would pull these glass sculptures like out and then set them up and shoot them. Um, nice. That tanked as well. And then he got into food photography. And I actually assisted my dad for a little while just doing that kind of stuff, too. Um, so I never got into the photography stuff 
professionally. I always did it as a hobby. Like I took um, I took classes through school. Always shot as a hobby. Went to sh- would go and shoot shows all the time just for fun. Um, but it wasn't until I got into graphic design school where I realized, like, okay, art does not equal money for me. Like <laughs> me, me going out and creating yeah. something and getting paid for it is is not going to work for me. Um, and so uh, my dad, at a certain point as well was like no more weddings he's like if i want to live past fucking 45 no no more weddings at all no it's very weddings are very tough and it's funny like growing up like i didn't get to hang out with my dad a lot until i was 13 because my mom won custody of me which is you know that's a rabbit hole in itself but um basically from the time i was 13 on like i feel like a part of me has always been in my dad's shadow but in like a good way And that he's been a really positive influence on me creatively and professionally. And that he's really hardworking. He will bend over backwards for people if they need it. Like he is, he's just like, he's a consummate professional in his craft, but he's also a really talented photographer. And like one, one day I was in college and he was like, you know, man, I wish someone had told me like, we, I think I was assisting him on a job and it was like for a doctor. And the doctor was like, yeah, I just bought a yacht because that's what you do when you, like, have a practice and you're successful. Yeah. And my dad just turns to me and goes, we're in the wrong fucking profession. <laughs> and, and like, ever since then, like, I have definitely – part of me has been, like, you know, trying to make money doing art is, like, really painful mm-hmm. because very few people appreciate the value of art. Yes. And now, like, now like NFTs, like, the non-fungible token – digital art thing is happening yeah it's like holy fuck i dude everyone keeps saying here's my nft and i'm like how the fuck do i sell my art dude tell me (laughs) show me where i signed up i will listen you want the copyright to my shit i'll give it to you i don't give a fuck (laughs) like so i think it's when you when you go to a, a profession like a lawyer a doctor a teacher maybe not a teacher in america but when you go to those kinds of professions it's like it gives you the ability to like have a lucrative career Mm -hmm. but also you can afford to buy camera gear and like shoot whatever the hell you want on the weekends yep and the thing with photography is like the reason i have so many cameras and headphones and lenses on video cameras all this shit it's because i spent 12 15 years doing this professionally and so i needed to buy all of this shit for myself and it's like it gives me a benefit. The benefit is I have it all when I want to stream or make videos. But the downside is I spent all of my money for the past 15 years, like buying lenses and shit. And so like I had no savings until last year. Yep. You know, it was, I I was on the struggle bus for a long time. And so I totally get like why you would want to pursue art, but then realize this sucks and (laughs) get a real job. Dude, I was in my, my third year. Like I was, uh, a half, uh, probably I think it was a half semester because I wasn't doing full semesters, but I was a half semester away from a degree in graphic design. And yeah. I was like, this is not for me. Like I, I was an artist. Um, like I drew and designed all through high school. Um, and then I got into photography and I, I just loved those different aspects of expressing myself. And then it, you just hit that point where like, okay, is this really what you want? Like your every day to be your all day, every day. Is this what you want to drain you? Like, and (laughs) that's what I had to think about is like, when I come home, do I want to fight my day job and like my energy drain to do the thing that I would love to do? 
Or do I want the thing that I love to drain me and then have to find something else to fill that time? Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with streaming too. Like to me, I don't necessarily think streaming for me personally is an art. I think it's a, a creative outlet, but I don't yeah. think anything that I do is like artistic. Um, nothing I really do is all that original. I'm original. My, my personality is original, but the things that I create, the type of content, the the genre of content is all um, nothing really new. Um, and so I, I kind of find that as like a, a middle ground to where I can have a day job that I enjoy very much. It's in a field that I enjoy. And right now it's draining the fuck out of me, but I'm able to, I'm <laughs> able to imagine. come home and, and, and create here and create in this space. Um, and honestly, fuck brand safety and family, like being family friendly. If this is yeah. the only place that I can truly be me, I'm going to do it all out. And thankfully, like, I can drop F-bombs in, in meetings, and, like, my boss called me. Instead of calling me a smartass, he called me an unintelligent anus, which I thought was <laughs> a fucking amazing different way to call somebody a smartass. Um, I have that type of relationship with people that I work with, and that is just, like, that is so comforting for me. And also, yeah. they take COVID seriously, which I know is not a normal thing for, for people that I've talked to. Yeah, I mean, I... The thing is, like, I, as someone that's been doing this stuff for a long time outside of the, like, I would call Twitch and YouTube and stuff, like, the amateur side. Not that people that do this are amateurs. Like, there are very consummate professionals that do Twitch and YouTube content. Like, it's not to shit on them. You know, to distinguish, like, the, the, you got the commercial and you got the creator. Yep. And I think in the creator space is where a lot of the really interesting, innovative, stuff that pushes the art and technology behind this stuff to the next level and you know there's like this big debate like does gear matter whatever blah 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 we'll talk about that later i guess but like when it comes to creating twitch content like this you're definitely making art you're definitely it's performance art in a mm -hmm. way and i think a lot of people the problem they have with streaming and the reason they they aren't successful at streaming is like you said like they're not they can't find a way to express themselves creatively on the platform that's also interesting to other people. Like the biggest problem with like TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, whatever, is that when people are scrolling, they want to be entertained mm -hmm. and they and it's a bonus if you can add value to their life, right? And I think if you can make people laugh, if you can be entertaining, and you can do it without compromising yourself. You can do it for a really long time and you can do it successfully. And like like your streams, like I'm not gonna lie, I don't watch a lot of Twitch anymore. Like I used to be into Twitch and I watched like Lethal Frag and KB oh, Mod back when they were a thing. Like I, I watched a, dude, I watched a lot of stuff. And over the years, like I if I've come to realize that the streams I really prefer are like Future Man or Dr. Disrespect or your streams because they're produced. Like there is a level of production value where it's like every minute of the stream, something entertaining and fun is happening. And that makes I me think, so happy to hear. <laughs> no, like I, like Pickle Nick, bro, I was I don't sit and watch Twitch streams for like an hour at a time unless they're really fucking good streams. And that oh my god, dude, the prop hunt, I like Part of me was like, I got to show these motherfuckers how to play Call of Duty because you're driving me insane. But the other part of me was like, Pickle Nick is the greatest innovation <laughs> to happen to Twitch in like years. Like, and I, I think that's where like, 
Twitch and YouTube, that that is where this content is heading. It is heading towards that more commercial, more produced, more entertaining mm-hmm. vibe. And I think folks like you are in a really good position to maintain their authenticity and creativity while pushing the boundaries of Twitch closer and closer to the production values of the commercial industry. And that's mainly where I came from. So for me, it's always seemed like Twitch streamers were working, you know, towards something. And I feel like a lot of Twitch viewers and folks feel like they're kind of just like making cool stuff and like whatever. But they don't realize like this whole obsession with like, can I get a 4K camera? Can I stream at a higher bit rate? Whatever. is like really what it's about is being able to create art at a higher and higher, more commercial level than they have before. Yep. And that's why, like, stream tips on TikTok and stuff is taking off so much for you and, like, Epos Fox and Harris Heller. It's because more and more people are starting to wake up to the realization that, like, dude, I could up my game and, like, be really successful doing this. You probably won't. Most people are going to fail doing anything mm-hmm. that isn't just a nine-to-five job. And that's because society's not set up to support you and me. Like, right. you don't have health insurance through Twitch. You got it yeah. through your job if you even have it at all. And it's like, imagine if Twitch had a benefits package, dude. Oh, damn. You know, imagine if, like, Twitch had a salary. Like, that was the big thing with Mixer. And I was a huge fan of Mixer. And you can talk shit about the UI and the platform and the streamers leaving, whatever. Mixer paid people up front. They were, like, the Epic Games of streaming. And I have have tons of problems with Epic Games. Like, they are a scumbag company that is a profiteering pile of shit. But... They paid the developers up front, and Mixer was doing the same thing. And I was like, finally, someone had the brilliant idea of instead of making a slave away for every bit and sub and view, like, just fucking pay people so that they're, they're not as stressed and they can make better content and have more freedom. Like, all of the best videos and content on YouTube is, like, sponsored, and it's because you need money to, like, go to locations and film stuff and pay people and edit and takes time and money blah 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 so it's like i really feel like you know you are making art it's just that the art you're making looks very similar to a well-produced video game or you know podcast stream and it's like the line is blurring between the two it is it definitely is um you just brought up a great point i'm writing this stuff down because i want to forget to talk about it uh minimum full time um, so one thing that you just brought up, first of all, thank you for the the compliments and what you just complimented me on is one of the main reasons that I'm trying to steer my content into a different direction because I want to get after the more produced, planned, scripted stuff, the stuff that brings value, like the thing that makes people go, I don't, I'm not, I'm here because I like the streamer, but also I'm here because I'm fucking learning something. And like the conversations yeah. that I'm listening to people have like this are, are actually meaningful. And I don't, I don't want to ever shit on gaming. But for me, when I'm streaming video games, everything in life is on pause. I'm not yeah. learning. I'm not. Uh, doing, I'm not providing anything of value educational wise. I'm, I'm, I might be making people laugh, and and that is massive in itself. But I feel like when I'm gaming, it's just like nothing is. And when you're live, fucking nothing is happening because you're not able to do anything on other platforms. Um, yeah. And that kind of like that's worn on me 
over the years. And it's like, I'm ready to kind of shift it towards a different type of art. Like I've already done and tried the, the comedic gaming and the skits and, and, you know, using Bozo and stuff like that. Um, it's like, and it's great and it's fun and I love it. And I've always got good reception, but I've always gotten a better reception when I've put my time and my efforts and my expertise into like planned scripted content. Um, you know, Things like conversations like this, you know, the the podcast used to just be, I'm just going to invite people on and we're just going to talk and that's it. And I I still really love that. But at the same time, if we can talk, but also have like a certain purpose of conversation, like for us, it's going to be like like TikTok, technology, you know, streaming industry, stuff like that. If I can find a way to kind of hone in on specific subjects, I feel like I could make a really valuable show that will make people want to tune in past it just being me right because yeah. your personality can get you far but it can only get some people so far and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make up for it on the end part of it um in case you're lacking in those yeah i mean i think that's why uh hot ones was so successful like out of the gate because i forget sean evans is a master interviewer mm-hmm. like when he when he asks a question he's not just a- asking some random factoid bullshit he's asking a well-researched and formed question that in a comfortable setting despite the fact that they're eating flaming hot wings uh where like it's a personal answer that he was looking for mm-hmm. and it it's entertaining because un- like when you watch an interview on like the like the late night shows or like you know when they do like the the press junkets or whatever you watch an interview and all of you all you 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 know you're hearing a script right you know the the actor or whoever the musician that the host is talking to is just like okay so he's going to ask you about these five topics we prepared this thing for you we can talk about the trailer maybe drop a hint at some bullshit blah 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 you know like when tom holland leaks the title with spider-man accidentally it's because it's like he's like wouldn't it be cool if like peter parker was like played by this guy and he's kind of like peter parker in real life like fuck tom holland dude (laughs) but so you know and it's like it's like when you're genuine and you can impart some sort of entertainment value to people while also being like hey here's some insight into why jamie fox is such a fucking amazing actor like he is also you know, an it, amazing interviewee. Like all of his interviews oh, yeah. are fucking amazing. Yeah, and it's it's the same though. Like Bill Burr is a perfect example, right? The guy he is a genius comedian, and it's really he's just some fucking guy from Boston. It's like what the fuck is this shit, you know? And like he he leans into that shtick super hard, but like I forget if he was on Hot Ones or not, but I'm pretty sure he was because I remember him being on it. But it was like. Even that guy, Sean Evans, is cracking the armor and being like, so what's the real Bill Burr like under the asshole? And Bill Burr's like, you know, man, life sucks. Yeah, well, life <laughs> or fucking sucks. Yeah. And, like, I think there is a limit to the the reach you can have making content about making content. And that is yes. – it is a pitfall that all of my friends have fallen into. Everyone falls into it because, you know, they're like, oh, dude, what if, like – when you stream, you did this technical thing, and it made your stream better. I should tell people about that. They do it, and everyone's like, holy shit, that's a great idea, and it gets a lot of views. But then you start to realize not everyone wants to be a streamer. A lot of people just want to watch the stream. Yes. <laughs> and and so like, I think that's why it's important to like take your expertise and your interview skills and your production value 
and apply it to other things too. And like, I think it's great that you're getting away from gaming because it gives you more time to expand. Like you could talk about politics. You could talk about food. You could talk about traveling. You could talk mm. about like 3d printing, uh, dicks, like whatever you want. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, if you're good at talking about streaming and telling people how to stream better, you're going to be good at talking about anything else you understand. And, um, like, you know, like, it's interesting to me that people are slowly starting to realize that, like, gaming is, like, a time suck. Because yeah. I game every night. I stream Monday through Thursday on YouTube. Check me out. Technical gaming on YouTube. <laughs> oh, um, shit. You know what? I When I clicked on your profile in Discord, um, I had looked, and I'm like, oh, there's multiple channels. And now I can't see them. because Go ahead and post it in chat if you want to post okay. the – I already have the your Twitter and your primary YouTube channel. Um, uh, just follow me on Twitter. Twitter's the okay. best way to find anything. Cause I, I literally post everything on Twitter. Okay. Um, but so like, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, it's an interesting problem to solve with gaming because you're right. It's like totally, you're trying to entertain yourself with games and you're trying to translate that entertainment to the viewer, you know, and you, you want to play, play the games well, and it can be really stressful. But at the end of the day, what you're really doing is like engaging with a form of entertainment Mm-hmm. And trying to like share that value with people or share that experience. And like, I think, you know, I like watching gaming streams, but most times, like, gaming streams are just like someone playing poorly or like not having amazing moments. And like, I think that's why Dr. Disrespect has been so successful, is because oh, for a lot of his streams, they're very high energy, lots of action, lots of things going on. And he all he supplements and augments all of the 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 dead air with just incredibly intelligent production value and character acting. And like Future Man, when Future Man first started streaming, I was like, this is the future of Twitch. Yeah. Like everyone is gonna be doing this like a character with like set design and like the intro stuff and all that and and I was totally fucking right. You're welcome. Yep. And it like what blows me away is people like Ninja and Shroud who are still popular because it's like, dude, like they're just some guy with like bad lighting and a webcam. That's like so 2012 streaming. Yeah. It's like it's like wow. I like I didn't think that that would still be viable. So it's very impressive how diverse Twitch is. But like, yeah, I mean, fuck gaming, dude. <laughs> I love gaming, but fuck it. Yeah, no, I it makes you happy. I love it too. And um, what has been a nice release, and actually, um, I had been thinking this for a while, like in, inside my mind. And on the last podcast that I did with Bishop and Jimmy, Bishop made a note to me that he's like, I kind of do the same thing that he does. Like when I get into gaming, for when it's Call of Duty or Rocket League, there's five to seven minute stints of me focusing on the game purely. And when I'm doing that, I'm not looking at chat. I'm not reacting to chat. I'm not coming up with comedic replies or skits or anything like that. Excuse me. And so, and I'm kind of, um, it's all, I, I, I use this phrase. There are streamers and then there are people who stream. There are yeah. streamers who people who genuinely create original, unique content for the platform and are actively trying to grow. And then there are people who stream. People who are playing video games and just hit live, and they just happen to be live at the same time. And yeah. I feel like when I play video games, sometimes I'm just somebody who streams. We're kind of like my my originality, my voice, my persona kind of falls into the 
the background and where the gaming becomes like the forefront of it. And I feel like when I transition from a just chatting stream into a gaming stream, I become more like everybody else. Like I, I become less original um, to yeah. where in this sort of uh, scenery, I can, I'm a little bit more my, I feel like I'm a little bit more in my element. And that definitely wasn't always the case. Like the early days of this podcast were fucking terrible. They were so bad. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was a terrible streamer. I was a terrible host. Um, but you're now, so bad. You're so bad. What God are you doing? Water. You're so bad. Stop. <laughs> so um, it's it's been fun to to kind of come up into into those changes. And um, you're right. Twitch is an absolutely diverse platform right now. And I wonder. Twitch has already gotten away from gaming being the primary thing. Like if you oh, look at absolutely. The, look at the stats, there's shit all over the place. And it it's exciting and as much as I'm excited to kind of go into a new path, I'm also still kind of sad about it because like growing up and when I say growing up, I mean like my mid 20s, looking at people who were successful video game streamers and you're like Yes, that it's not necessarily the dream, but like that's a goal. It's to like yeah. be able to play video games. I I have not wanted to be a full time content creator for so long, but to be able to just have like that level of success, it was like yeah, that would be fucking awesome. And it's sad to know that like that isn't a thing, but I'm sure that the realization of that will click will will quickly be overwritten by my fire, my fuel for trying to create like a different type of of content. Totally. I mean, that that is what I think distinguishes people from the, like, you got the folks that, like you said, that are streamers and the folks that stream. And the thing that distinguishes the two is that one group realizes you got to do more than just be live and you got to push yourself and be original. And, like, the biggest thing for me in the, the creative industry is that so many of, like, the jobs that I would do would be... Uh, you know, this is really popular right now, like this style of photography or, you know, this thing. Like we saw, like we showed the client this stock image as an example of what we want to do for the ad. And they really liked it. So just copy the stock image with, you know, new models and obviously a different photographer because I'm doing it. <laughs> um, and so, Find the same photographer that took this and bring him in. <laughs> no, and a lot of times it makes you feel like you're a human Xerox machine. Um, I did a lot of product stuff, and that's what it feels like. It feels like you're just a photocopy machine with legs. And every job I would do, and this is something my dad does, and I think every creative professional should do, and it's exactly what streamers should be doing, is do something different. You know, when you're shooting or you're streaming, whatever, do something that, like, it's just what you want to do. Like, I, I have fuck it moments with online shopping and creativity. Uh, I'll be browsing Amazon. I'll see something I like that catches my fancy. And I'm like, you know what? I have money in my bank account. I'm not sure how much, but fuck it. I'll buy it anyway. And I'm the same way with, with photography. I will, I'll be doing a job. I'll be shooting whatever. And I'll be like, you know, it'd be really cool if like this was just a really nice silhouette portrait of this person. So like this beautiful bullshit, you know, Instagram looking thing. And I'll submit those images to the client. I'll be like... Uh, you know, here's all the stuff you asked for. Here's all the stuff I did. And then here's a bunch of extra stuff because I'm nice. And nine times out of 10, either the, the ad agency or client or whatever will be like, I fucking love the thing you just did on your own. I love the candid shot. I love whatever. And 
not every time do they get picked. Like a lot of times, like the when you get hired for a job, it's all based on your portfolio. And it's the same thing with Twitch. When you get a Twitch viewer, it's all based on that like first impression, your portfolio, your presentation, your five second pitch. And you know, you get hired on that, and then the client knows what you're capable of, and then they hire you to do like a job that they think will fit. And then you deliver something that's like, this is what I'm really capable of. They always love it. It doesn't always get used, but it's like the same thing with Twitch. It's like, you know, if someone's scrolling through Twitch and they see Ninja, Shroud, you know, uh, fucking name another streamer, uh, you know, Destiny, fuck that guy, Miskiff, oh, uh, whatever, you know, Michael Reeves, they're going to pick the streamer that like gives them the best five second pitch when they click. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what that means is the streamer is doing something that no one else is doing. And like... I think Future Man is a perfect example because he had GIFs of a space uh, ship as his set. And it was like, oh, you can actually use, you can use virtual production as set design. Yeah. Duh. Why? Like, and, and Sushi Dragon. Oh, don't even get me started. Listen, if you're not following Sushi Dragon, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. How do I go back? <laughs> Sorry. I, I haven't used my stream deck in a long time. Um, but his his level of production value is what I'm talking about. Yep. Like that guy, he bought a fucking warehouse and he's turning it into like a live streaming sex factory. And I threw sex in there because I knew that's going to excite the viewers. Yeah, absolutely. And it's but, probably, it's going to happen. Somebody's going to get fucked in there and they're going to get fucked live. by that that robot that follows it around with the camera and the <laughs> iPad. Um, Do you want to have sex? I will film it. <laughs> the what is so intriguing about that whole thing is the process of him building the warehouse is just as fucking interesting. Oh, as dude, it's amazing. Warehouse itself. Did you see the clip of him judo kicking a water bottle in the air? And then the robot going crazy afterwards. Yeah. I lost my shit at that. That was so goddamn funny. Um, but just him in general, amazing fucking guy. I love the show that he puts on. I was really scared when the DMCA shit hit and decimated his primary source of income. Like his content yeah. was dancing over copyrighted music. And again, another thing that is going to completely separate um, the doers from the donters is he was able to completely flip his type of content, retain almost all of his viewership, and he's on a totally different path now that is completely f- uh, free from DMCA. Um, yeah. So I like I remember sitting and thinking like, what the fuck is he going to do now? And he thought of it. I couldn't, but he thought of it. And that again is going to be something that is going to be really really difficult for some people to to get past. Um, yeah, I mean I think. The the cool thing about the DMCA situation is that as someone that has defended their work from people trying to steal it with copyright law, I have had to fight people. I've had to issue cease and desist letters, and I've never had to go to court, thankfully. But I've definitely I've had to like you know go on Google and be like uh, copyright cease and desist notice and like <laughs> fill it out and send it to people. And I used to be on Tumblr, and Tumblr for those of you that don't know, is a microblogging website. And what that means is people steal your shit and post it on their blog, and their blogs are monetized, and they get money for your shit. And while everything's kind of linked together, I would get zero traction or hits or anything from having my work reblogged. So 
in a lot of ways, I was missing out on like a ton of money because some blog with like a million followers would reshare my image to it and they'd have like Google ads or something on the side and they're making bank. And so I had to leave Tumblr because I literally couldn't issue enough cease and desist. Like I, I could I would have had to hire someone to just like go on Tumblr and like find every instance of my image. Cause I was posting years ago. I did like what people does and I posted an image every day for a year and every day there would be like 10 copies of my image on Tumblr. And it's not like popular blogs or anything most of the time, but like when it is, it's a problem. But so I understand like that copyright law is really important. And I know people that don't understand copyright law or have heard bad explanations think it's like this draconian evil thing. But really, it's what makes all of this stuff that we do on Twitch and YouTube and Twitter and TikTok possible. It's mm-hmm. like it is the it is the 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 fence that separates insanity from from being able to make a living. Right. Because without copyright law, you and I, we wouldn't be able to do this because someone could just take it, monetize it and say, this is mine. And they would make the money and you'd have no recourse. You'd have no protection. And so I'm really glad the Twitch DMC thing happened because I think it's opened up a huge segment of the creator industry to the reality of copyright and like how they can use it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, listen, I'll, I will openly say that I am not a huge fan of stream beats music. I think it's very generic. I don't think it, I don't think it's any better than like what monster cat offers or anything, but Harris Heller was smart. And he was like, eventually Twitch is going to start DMCAing people like that. It's just going to happen yep. because that's how the system works. People use your content without your permission. You don't like that. And you ask, for, you tell them you got to get permission. And that's what happened with Twitch. And it's totally normal. It was bound to happen. Twitch Twitch is the one that fucked up, they honestly. Fucked up by, so they fucked up real fucking bad. But so he created Stream Beats to obviously make money. And I, listen, I have a lot of problems with Harris. I think he, he had a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, to throw at a project like Stream Beats, and that is why he has so much content, and that's why it's it's a big part of why that library is so successful is because he launched with like 300 tracks or something, which yeah. is like a lot. But so, but despite all my problems with him, like Stream Beats fills a need that we desperately need filled. Oh yeah, industry. absolutely. I mean, the the numbers speak for itself. I mean, when he went over. The he had had a YouTube video that he just went over like how much money I make, and he went over in detail how many plays Stream Beats was getting, the reoccurring revenue, and it wasn't until uh, actually this past month where he revealed how much he actually spent on Stream Beats in the beginning. And I think it was forty five grand, forty five to fifty grand, forty five or fifty grand, and like that video really frustrates me because I am personally aware of. And I'm not going to reveal anything just yet because it's too soon. I'm personally aware of other folks doing the same thing, like creating a music service for different genres and, you know, with different tracks and stuff. And I have a feeling it's going to be really good because the stuff I'm hearing from them is it's very it's exactly what the people that want that kind of music are looking for and not getting anywhere. And so the thing is, they're not they don't have you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to pour into it. Like they're doing it by themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're hosting stuff on Spotify. You know, they don't have a huge investment. And Harris in that video was like, you can do it with $50,000. 
which is true. You can talk if you got <laughs> extra if you have a safety net of cash that you can throw at a project, you can do anything. Yeah. But the the great thing about Twitch and YouTube and this democracy we have created of content creation online is that any motherfucker can do it now. Yep. You don't need it. You don't need like I'm using an A6000. This camera is a piece of shit. I have a a, a newer lens. I have I have like Canon L glass. I've got Fuji like like first party glass. I have really nice lenses and stuff. I'm using the shittiest possible camera I could find on eBay that was good enough to work as this thing. Yeah. It's got a beauty mode I can't turn off, so I know I look amazing, but Wait, I does want it, it off. you can't turn it off? No. You have to inter you have to record internally for it to not uh beautify your face. It's so <laughs> no. dumb. But like is there a problem with the stream you guys are watching right now? I don't think so. I think I look fine. And it's like I don't have fifty grand to spend on a production system for my, you know, Twitch streams. Right. But, and at the same time, you don't need fifty grand. If you know how to use GarageBand and make cool beats, you can start your own music royalty free service. Like and that's why I'm a big fan of the whole NFT thing, because I think it's ridiculous. Like the idea of digital ownership is just whatever. Yeah, that's real. But I went in and I think more and more people are realizing like, this is real. I can do this. I can make money. Yeah. I can offer a service. I could provide value. And uh, yeah. So, so I, I want to ask a question. I, I'm not trying to, um, I don't, I don't want to get you to like talk shit or, um, and I definitely don't want to start like a flame thing, but doesn't the heart, like, where that money came from is questionable, right? Not questionable in like in the moral of it, but like whether it came from YouTube or Twitch or it was I know, savings, I mean, whatever. I think he's talked about it. Like he's he's had a successful career outside of doing all this stuff right. and doing this stuff. And like I like to be absolutely clear, like I have absolutely no problem whatsoever with someone having money and throwing it at a project. I, I think I am glad he did it because it has opened the doors to other people who want to do the same thing. Right. It made them realize, oh, if this fucking guy can do it, I can do it. You know, so, like, oh, if your this... problem was the premise that all it takes is 50 grand to do something like this, yeah, not, no, like, not where the money came. OK. Yeah. No, I have no problem. I mean, I have no problem with that stuff. And it's like it's uh, because the beauty of Twitch and YouTube and Twitter and social media and stuff is that like. You don't need 50 grand, dude. Like these really websites, don't. like YouTube will host 8K video for free. You yeah. can upload a movie that is like cinema quality to YouTube for free and send it to billions of people for free. No one might watch it. But like where I come from, if you had 50 grand, that was enough for like 30 seconds of commercial time for like a cheap commercial. R right. Like, I once priced out a job. It was probably the most expensive job I ever priced out before um, for photography, not for video. Video is a whole different thing. Uh, it was going to be about $33,000. It was a one-day shoot in an Xfinity store with uh, talent, like models, from like theater production. So like not even like a model, in, model um, agency. Like I'm talking like like the extras that they use in movies type of people. Okay. 30 and the vast majority of that money was like on the people. And like so when I come to Twitch or YouTube content, I'm like 
you can do you don't need any money for this like like 10 like ten, spending 10 grand on like a whole camera setup and stuff mm-hmm. is like totally something that like i think if you're serious about this you're eventually gonna end up doing even right though you really fucking shouldn't just stream with a it doesn't matter yes i'm making i'm literally working on a video about why people should just take the phones that they throw away after three years and use them as webcams but yeah that's a whole other thing but like i like I think the point is Harris really opened the door for people to realize that anyone could do this. And the problem is when he opened the door, he also let out a hot fart that kind of makes people like pause at the door. Cause they're like, wait a second. He said he used 50 grand to do this. Do I need 50 grand too? But then, you know, the fart goes away and everyone realizes they can just walk right the fuck through. So yeah, just, it's not a big deal. Just hold your breath and walk through. Yeah, it's fine. There's, um, I, there is a, a video that I would like to do or a, a conversation I'd like to do about the whole gear doesn't matter. It was a very interesting conversation to watch unfold. And yeah. um, my my very short stance is um, gear matters, but it depends. And yeah. it's to the point where do you need gear to get started? No. But do you need gear to do a specific type of niche content? Like, is there a certain lens that you need for a specific shot? Do you need a second computer to offload the encoding uh, to do a particular scene that you want? Like, yes, there's certain hardware requirements. But for the base stuff, absolutely no, you don't. You you don't need to. So that yeah. that's a super interesting conversation. And just based on what we've already gotten into, I don't want to dig into that tonight. But I, I <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a deep a, one. It is it is a deep one because I've somebody I'm somebody that who let me slow down. I am somebody who has always chased gear, but not because I've always been after the like the quality of the foe of how it looks. Because I fucking love gear. I love tech. Yeah. I love gadgets. Oh, yeah, I love fucking around with shit. And so that's always uh, been a big plus for me. And what I've realized is even with somebody who like I, I, I I'm told that I have a good personality, meaning like I'm personable. So you're ugly is what they're saying. Right? Pretty much like I'm dead inside. It's pretty much <laughs> what people are telling me. Um, I, I'm approachable. I can have conversations. But again, like I always thought like, okay, well, I have that, but I also kind of need the quality stuff to like get myself to the next tier. And again, like stuff that I've gone over in different videos is like I've had lamps from Target with broken Phillips two bulbs with paper taped over for diffusers. I used those for like five fucking years, um, you know, different shit to prop stuff up over the desk. Um, I hate that we have this like Reddit battle stations persona of everyone where like everybody needs to have like led everything i first of all i hate how much everyone hates rgb because i fucking love things that glow and i'm never gonna not love things that glow um but yeah it's the whole gear conversation is is difficult um i want to swing back a little bit to the tiktok conversation what is the least like what is the most random thing that you've seen that is should not be content, but you were like, this is fucking amazing. Oh, dude, I'm so glad you asked this question. Okay. So the other night, I have been I've been on TikTok uh via proxy of my wife for like two months. Like okay. she got into TikTok and like at night we would just like sit in bed and she would just scroll on her page. And you know, most of the content is just like person twerking to song, uh someone funny that I actually like, uh some weird guy that looks like a serial killer talking about Trump being an asshole in the news. You know, prison. Then someone 
<laughs> yeah, then and then it's like you know like an ad for like uh, a gel butt lifter or something, and it's like it was like garbage, right? Like I was, we would scroll, and I would just be like, "This fucking sucks." Like TikTok is just an ad platform for crappy music, and then uh, because of work, I had to get TikTok for myself. So I I have you know the the work account, I have my personal account, and the other night I was scrolling on TikTok. And it was just like all of a sudden, it's like TikTok realized who the fuck I was. Curation, sh- dude. They started Curation. showing me content. I I can't put it to words how good TikTok is at content <laughs> creation. Curation, but like, it was farts. It's it's uh, this woman <laughs> farts so fucking hard, dude. It is it's amazing. And she basically recorded like thirty clips of herself farting in front of her husband and getting the husband's reaction, and. Like, I stopped, I watched the video, and I was dying. I had tears streaming down my face, and I'm like, this shouldn't, like, my wife didn't get it. I was like, this this is so fucking funny. And then my TikTok, ever since that, it's just been, like, some kid on the toilet being like, I got to drop this long. (laughs) That's a medium. Fuck. I need it. Oh, not as short. I want the long. And it's like, he's talking about the length of his poop. But I'm like, this, like, toddler on TikTok is funnier than, like, the Every motherfucker and like the stupid fucking dancing shit and the like. Here's the he- hip song that we're paying people to promote this week. Thing is yeah. like, it's so mind numbing, and it's like that's the kind of content that I don't understand how it does well. Mm-hmm. But like at the same time, I totally appreciate the fact that farting in front of your husband, while funny, is not like <laughs> it's it's a joke. And when right. you scroll it a few times, it stops being funny. Except it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also very sad because I currently have 40 recorded farts sitting on my phone that I was going to make a TikTok of, and now it's it's been done, and now I'm sad. No, do it. Do it. There's plenty. There, listen, you can never have enough TikTok farts. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's gold. And, like The funniest one is like when animals fart, and then they like scare themselves, because my dog does that all the time, so I can relate. Um, the Just yesterday... Going through, going through the FYP or the FIP, as I like to call the it, FIP. the FIP wall, <laughs> and uh, I found uh, a little China Chinaman who makes teapots from like fucking scratch, like the, the carving and the molding yeah. and the design. It's all super. I hate using this word, but cinematic, like the lighting, the the camera, and everything, Ugh. like the super high produ- um, production value TikToks. Oh, they make me. They, I get they the under hard. Yeah, they make you hard. Oh no, yeah. Like I. So when you were talking about three D printing before the podcast started, oh. I got erect, and it's not because you're pretty. I'll tell you that much. Uh, it's right. because I am huge into making shit. Mm-hmm. Like off to the side, there's a dead plant in my frame, which you can see. Yeah, that is sitting on a table that is literally covered in keyboard parts and automotive parts and soldering station shit. Like I have an obsession with making my own shit. It's one of the reasons I wrote down on the the notes for tonight is a DIY or buy is well, because fuck. like we had notes. <laughs> fuck notes, we don't need them. We're doing it live, but like is I make all, a lot of my like I'm working on headphone cables for these this pair of headphones for oh, myself. Yeah, like I do I do all that shit, and it's like I am obsessed with maker content. I mm-hmm. love Adam Savage. I watch. All of the content on YouTube that I watch is primarily people making or doing stuff like Evan and Caitlin, uh, Scott Brown Carpentry, like these amazing people that are just fucking craftsmen. And it's like one of those things where you watch like Scott Brown renovate a house and you're like, 
and you because he does it right. He does he does all the little details correctly. He does all the construction correctly. He's not a shit shitbag contractor like you're used to dealing with. So when you go out in real life and you see someone who's doing the same thing but they do a shitty job, it makes you appreciate the dedication that like real artisans have. Yes, and I dude, I see a well produced video on someone making something and I I nut instantly. Like that is like nut <laughs> and um. Like I came across a blacksmith recently that does he just <gasps> yes. make, he makes stuff like you know like uh like knives and lighters and stuff. It's a really cool channel, but he uses these lights I used in college. They're um they're called soft lights, but they're like the company's name is like Mole something, but okay. they're like these old scoop lights that they used to use in Hollywood in like the 50s, 60s and 70s. And they're these they're just these beautifully soft like warm inviting lights and his all of his videos are lit with them and they're it's just like because i don't always see like forging titanium which is like when you heat that shit up and start hitting it it looks like butter it's so beautiful but like smash it dude smash that metal but it's like so well filmed and like alex Steele, same kind of thing like the dude is a master craftsman well alex Steele's not a master craftsman he's a really good craftsman but don't let him catch me talking shit about him. Though. I love that guy. But like the production quality, like they they bought like an electronic slider for their video guy, and they're doing like the time lapse shots where like the camera starts here and it pans around the work as they're working, and you can like see the progress from multiple angles, and it's like, oh my god, yeah. I'm fucking juicy. <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, there is a, a gentleman. You know how you get something so often on your for you page that you forget to follow. And then it disappears and you never see it again. You're like, fuck, whatever happened to that content that I used to come across every day? Um, I There was a guy who did super high production value uh, CNC machine uh, machining yeah. and, and time lapses of them where he would carve oh. like valleys and mountains and all of this stuff. Um, have I ever shown you... Um, so you know the the macro boards that I that I built yeah. for people, right? Yeah. Have I ever shown you the guy who cuts the plexi, the custom work that he does for headphones? You have. So, okay. So, oh, that's right, because you that's right, because you were gonna. Um, get oh no! Yeah, from... no, I know who you're talking about. Okay. I just, I I haven't seen his headphones. I've seen his keyboards. <gasps> okay, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a link in chat for you. So this is just one of the things that he does. He makes custom covers for. The oh, that's fucking cuff. sick, dude. Yeah. What the fuck? So he's done a lot of that work, too. And so, like, I remember when we first got to talking, um, and actually, I just talked to him the other day because he he cut me eight more cases. We're about to build eight more macro boards in, like, the nice. next month or so. And um, he just showed me some of the stuff that he was working on. He also sent me this plexiglass that's, like, I don't can't remember what it's called, but it's a plexiglass that is black when it is not lit. And then when it lights up, it changes the tone of it. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm posting that in chat as well. But it's so fucking sick looking. You, you built uh, a fight stick of it. And it just looks that's so, so hot. So fucking cool. Um, you know, sorry, audio listeners. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> like that, seeing him, he was kind of like the introduction of I should buy some shit to make my own shit. Because I yeah. feel like I can. Um, and coincidentally, I actually took some 3D modeling classes back in like uh, elementary school. Or not elementary, this is middle school. So still a little smooth brain back then. But hopefully I retained some of that information. Um, but so, so, so fucking cool. Um, yesterday I discovered somebody, I, their name is, oh my God, something to do with cosplay. 
and they made they 3D printed a mold to which they then poured resin into and they yeah. made a a block of iridium from Borderlands 3 and then he lit it up with LEDs on the inside and the resin that he used was light conductive and actually glue in the dark after you turn the lights off. Mm. And I think he was doing it for a model that was doing a uh, a Borderlands 3 cosplay shoot and it was just Fucking amazing from begin from beginning to end, and it's TikToks like that that go quit knackers, quit while you're ahead. <laughs> and so you're done. You can't, you can't compete. Fucking crazy. So no, um, I feel you. Like I I fell down the rabbit hole of Winter Garden, the guy making the marble machine on YouTube, mm-hmm. and basically it's a ten thousand part completely custom designed marble machine musical industry, instrument. It's programmable. It can play. Uh, a xylophone, a drum kit, and a guitar all at the same time. It's incredible. And it's in pieces right now because he's like, basically, he he needs it to be like, reach a certain level of efficiency and um, reliability so that when he goes on tour with it, with his band, like, they won't have to constantly stop every show, right? So in doing this, he's discovered that a lot of the parts he designed at the outset of the project are terrible for reliability in the long term. Like, if you play a thousand marbles on it, it'll be fine. But if you play a million, which is very much going to happen when he's doing a show, you know, a hundred marbles might fall out of the machine. And that's like, that's like catastrophic because, you know, you'll be missing beats and shit. And he's been documenting the process of building this thing for three years. And he's oh kind God. of, I wouldn't say he's on the tail end of it, but he's got at least another year of production on it until it's, like, ready to go. But, like, he started uploading daily content um, in January. And he stopped doing it. He He's, like, making more videos more frequently. Like, he used to only post once a week. But he started doing daily content, and I was on the edge of my seat. Because, basically, all everything he does is, like, design it in CAD, test it, modify it by hand redesign it with like you know and it's like this back and forth and eventually he'll land on like the part you know the piece that's going to replace the piece of shit that was there before and it's like it's like dude like i want to learn cad i want to learn uh 3d modeling and stuff because i love doing that stuff and right. I'm, I'm like i'm definitely good at carpentry like making like furniture and stuff but like when it comes to sculpting and crafting like complex geometry like i, I don't have the patience for it so I watch his stuff and I'm like, God, that's fucking, it's like, you watch his CAD designs and like, listen, he's just like a novice like anyone else, but he's been doing this for three years and he's got like a whole discord of 3D modelers telling him what to do. And he does this shit that's just like, it's organic, but it's CNC machine looking and it's just like. Dude, what, what you just pointed out is one of the most important things for me as somebody who is existing in this online space. Is it about building a community? Yes, but not in the in the aspect of building a community of people that can watch and support me financially. It's yeah. building a community of like-minded people who are fucking hungry, and they also yes. want to learn. And then you've got a balance of like, the really, really smart people who don't know how to talk to people. And and then you got the other people who are like, they're not so smart, but they have really good conversational skills. And you get them all together in a pot. And you just mix that up. Fucking macaroni in a pot, baby. That's a wet-ass pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that vine, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
just Sorry. getting getting a, a collective um uh, uh, an area where a bunch of these different people come through and like right now one of my favorite channels in my discord is the cooking channel because we have so many people from amateur to well-versed that all post the things that they cook. They post the recipes, they post their fuck-ups, they, they post the good stuff. And just from being around other people who are hungry, as <laughs> I did there, you get inspiration from that, just being around other people. And that has always been a, a main, main reason that I've streamed on Twitch because me being here and fucking up is an opportunity to learn from people that know what the fuck that they are talking about. And yeah. that has just always been um, one of my favorite things about creating content online, being involved in online communities, and just having people around that love the same shit that you do. You can learn a lot, you can get inspired, um, and, and then you can create some dope shit on the other end too. Yeah, there's um there's a video on the Tested YouTube channel, uh, and it's about Adam Savage talk. I think it was on a podcast or something that they did. But Adam Savage, the the former host of Mythbusters, was um he was talking about doing a he was like on a panel discussion event thing. Obviously, this is before COVID. But basically, it was like him and like two other people, like an author and like a scientist or something, talking about like their life experience and answering questions from the audience. And he said like the most the thing I took away from that night was I gained an incredible amount of respect for people that know when to shut the fuck up because he was on a panel with like someone that he considers to be one of the smartest people he's ever met. And someone asked the guy a question and the guy was like, you know, that's kind of outside my, my base of understanding and I don't feel comfortable answering it. So I'm sorry. I don't have an answer for you. And Adam was like, you know, Adam was like a very well traveled maker and tv host and actor like he is like he's like a very worldly guy that has been around and has a, t a fuckload of experience and he's like it was really humbling seeing someone that knew despite the fact that they're a fucking genius and could just come up with some bullshit answer that would probably be correct that they just like nope i don't have an answer and like i love it when like an epos discord that i hang out in a lot you know epos fox for you guys don't know it's the stream professor uh, I hang out in his Discord all the time, and I spend a lot of my time in, like, the the smart folks chats, like, uh, the streamer chat, and um, we have, like, our, you know, our own friend group chats that we talk in, and um, and it's not to make the Discord sound elitist. It's, it's very much not. In fact, we just had someone come in that's like, you know, I've been working other Discords that are about streaming and YouTube, and, like, this Epos' Discord is, like, way more natural and like yep. authentic feeling than anyone else. And it's like, because like you said, Epos, he had, he's not after attracting the lowest common denominator for views. He wants people that are into the same thing he is. And, you know, he wants to make new friends and, and talk about the craft and like develop this stuff. And I think the best thing you can do when you're cultivating these kinds of things is just like, know where the limits of your knowledge and like it, encourage people to share the stuff that goes outside that boundary with you. And because that's like the coolest thing. It's like, if, like you said, you get into cooking and you have a bunch of people being like, Hey, I'm a professional chef. Here's how you make sushi. You're like, Holy fuck. I can make sushi now. Thanks to this guy. Yeah. And it's just some random asshole on discord that you, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> stopped in for like three months and then yeeted out for some reason. Yep. And, uh, I'm so I'm totally about it, and I'm sorry. I know my explanations are long as fuck, <laughs> but I just talk a lot. I'm sorry. 
D- honestly, I bring people on a podcast so I can talk less. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you, dude. I uh, I very much appreciate somebody who is who's not afraid to just go on a whim because my community already sees enough of me. My 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 goal for these podcasts is not to, not only to incite great, meaningful conversation to spark perspective, but it's to give people a look into what you have going on in your life and and to possibly like, holy shit, this guy kind of likes some of the stuff that I do and to, to build, you know, a little bit of a relationship that way too, is, is kind of one of my favorite things about the podcast. So don't ever feel like you, you, you don't, you talk a lot because no, I mean, I like it. in my industry, like the worst thing you can do is wear all the hats. Like Robert Rodriguez is famous for it. The guy that he did like Sin City, uh, um, spy kids like he's done a he's an incredible director but he's one of those guys where like he produces directs writes does the music does the editing does a lot of the camera work like he does everything on his shoots the dude and, who made sin city is the dude who made spy kids yeah it's the same fucking guy what and he i'm listen, i'm not even joking dude he is like robert rodriguez he wrote this book rebel without a crew and it's all about how he produced el mariachi and basically, he worked at a video store, like a like a rental place. And at night, he would like sell his body to science. Like they would pump him with drugs to see what happened. And he funded this movie. And he used like two clamp lights from Home Depot to like light it. And like he shot it on sixteen millimeter. And it, he couldn't do audio on set, so he had everything done in post. And it, it's like oh it's a really God. good read. But so his problem is, and the reason I think a lot of his movies struggle to find an audience like spy kids and stuff It's because he's wearing all the hats and doing all the things. And when you do that, it's like, yeah, spy kids, I think is an incredible franchise for kids. I think they are great movies. Then the new one they dropped on Netflix, it's a clusterfuck of insanity, but it's one of the most creative and entertaining and heartwarming kids movies that have come out on Netflix in a while. But like his problem is like, you can tell it's a Robert Rodriguez movie for every movie he does. Interesting. And I think, like, the secret to, like, Twitch and stuff is hire a producer, get an editor, find a co-host, get a group of friends that are going to be on when you play games so it's not just you talking into the fucking void. You know what I mean? And it's... You spot a great point. Um, when we were talking about the art form uh, of streaming and, and whether it was or wasn't an art, and I was thinking about... Um, excuse me. When I was thinking about people like Tim the Tatman, Dr. Disrespect, um, the only thing Tim does is go live everything on on his other content platforms like tiktok instagram youtube um he mans his own twitter but those are all things that are curated for those platforms but doctored by other people i'm sure he probably has a say like this should be a video this should be a tiktok put this on instagram but his art is is the performance in that moment and then the other 80% of being a streamer, of you getting yourself on other platforms and, and creating original content for those other things, that's all stuff that can be done after the fact and also not by you. It yeah. wasn't until um, a couple of years ago where I got somebody to help out with the podcast. So like, just doing the podcast is anywhere from two to three hours. The pre-show is a half an hour. The post-show is usually a half an hour. Editing the podcast, creating the thumbnails, uploading it to YouTube, uploading the audio version, balancing the audio version. It's about, it can be anywhere from three to five hours, a podcast. And I finally 
have offloaded that onto somebody else, and it's still not enough. And it's like that's that's going to be a big part in what separates a lot of the people because not everybody has the income to fund that sort of venture, and also not everybody has friends that are willing to ha- take a pay cut to to go through that as well. And I've been nah, so you. lucky to have people that have been like, hey, man, just like I'll do what you can as far as payment. And I, I want to help. I love you. I love your content. And that's something that is only going to come with time. I don't expect anybody to start streaming and then have somebody be like, I'll edit all your YouTube videos for $5 an hour. Um, oh. But it's one of the pros of uh, of longevity of, of streaming. Like, There's a lot of things that are really easy for me now here in my seventh year that were impossible the first year that only exist because I've been around. And I've accumulated yeah. the experience and, I, and I've built relationships. And re- regardless of what I think anecdotally about my average viewership and my numbers, I've built reputations with people. And those reputations can take you really fucking far. Like those relationships, whether they are profitable or or platonic or whatever, they can get you so far and they can make life so absolutely easy for you down the road. And yeah. it, it's not necessarily that it makes the whole aspect of streaming easy, but it makes certain aspects of streaming easy so that you can focus on the things that require a little bit more attention. No, totally. Like uh, in the commercial art industry, word of mouth is like how you get work. Mm-hmm. It's how it's how everything happens. You know, you do a job, the client really likes it. You make a relationship with the person at an ad agency and the next thing you know, like they're, they're, they're like in a meeting and they're like, oh, you know who would be good for this job? That guy that I'm friends with. And um, it's like the biggest thing with Twitch and like finding editors and stuff. And, and this extends to everything, right? Like just ask. Mm-hmm. Like there are – I like I'm not saying like if you start streaming on Twitch tomorrow as a first-time streamer that you should in your first stream be like, hey, does anyone want to edit my YouTube videos? That's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is build relationships, find find people that are like you that want to do the same things you do, and ask. Be like, hey, listen, I've been streaming for six months. I'm really enjoying it. I want to do YouTube content, but I don't have time to edit the videos. Does anyone want to take a stab at it? Maybe I can kick you some money. I don't know. Yep. And it's because the whole point of hiring people, and I'm a huge advocate of if you have a need or you need someone to add value to your content, just fucking pay them to do it. Yep. Like, just just hire someone. Like, I don't care how much it is. Like, obviously, within reason, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. But, like, I I could make so much more content if I had an editor, if I had someone to manage my social media, because I wouldn't have to spend my time doing that stuff and dividing it between doing like filming editing and then having a real job that requires my attention eight hours a day right and like you know granted i'm sitting in front of my computer for those eight hours and i'm you know online and i'm like whatever like i i could like be i but i can't be like writing a script and also editing a personal video like i can't i don't you it's not possible for me to do that and um i think there is a point in every streamer's career and it's it's harder to appreciate now because especially with TikTok, right? You make one TikTok and it goes viral and all of a sudden you've got like, you know, that fucking projector light company being like, hey, can we sponsor a post? <laughs> and like from there, it just, you know, the rise to celebrity on social media is so extremely fast these days. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like every personality on on 
YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok that gets really successful really quickly. They're popular for like maybe a month and then you never hear from them again. Yep. And they're they're if you go back and check, they're still doing their thing. You know, they're still making, you know, a, a paycheck every month. And I'm sure they're still rich, a lot of them, and like still making a ton of money. But like as soon as like the next person becomes popular, they're gonna the market grows and that person's income shrinks a little and then you know, it, there's like a it's like a constant stepping stool thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's super important, especially if you're successful at this, which I guess you don't need my advice for. But, <laughs> or mine. <laughs> yeah. But like if you're successful and you're like you're at the point where you're like, if I don't change, I'm gonna die. Like if I don't do something new, my my brain of content isn't gonna keep growing. Just hire an editor, hire a social media person, pay someone. Like at one point recently, I was under the gun for work. Like I just didn't have a ton of time every day to dedicate to a certain duty. So I was like, I had a friend who needed a buck and I was like, Hey, I'll hire you to do this. And I like, I'm not paying him the moon, but I'm paying him like a decent amount of money to like, you know, spend 10 minutes every morning doing something for me. And it, it was great to have like a message every morning in my inbox with the information I needed to do my job better. It was great. And I'm like, what I'm saying is like when you get to that point where there's a there's a thing where you know that the barrier is it's right there and if you hired someone to jump over it for you, you'd both get jumped over. Mm-hmm. It's like when you reach that point and it doesn't matter if it's Twitch or like doing yard work or like putting together IKEA furniture, like go on like if you go on Craigslist, there's literally a category dedicated to people that will build IKEA furniture. It's hilarious. I did but, not know that. I'm not even joking. It's real. But like there's a reason we have people that do jobs, right? And it's like just fucking hire someone. Like like Tim is fucking terrible at video games. That guy (laughs) sucks ass. Yeah. But he's an incredibly affable and entertaining and personable guy. And when you cut all of his shitty fucking gameplay down, you fucking sucked him. When you cut all of his gameplay down to like the bite-sized fun bits, it's viral shit because the guy is hilarious and he's so good at connecting with the audience. And it's like, that's why he's going to keep being successful is because he's got someone being like, all right, let's cut out the five hours of Tim sucking at Fall Guys and show the 10 minutes that's really – and like this is something like even if you're just doing this yourself, if if you're making a piece of content and part of it is boring – Get rid of it. Like, if you take a pause in your sentence, if you say something and you missay it, like you mispronounce a word, just fucking cut it. Get yep. it out of there. Because, like, scroll through TikTok or, like, uh, a lot of, you know, sorry, I hit the mic. So a lot of YouTube content, like, is it's like, I don't know if you've ever watched a Guy Fieri show, but someone is talking 100% of the time on Guy Fieri's content. Or moaning. And it's, yeah, or, or yeah, um, like, <laughs> oh. Totally. But like, there's a reason because it's entertaining when you don't stop talking or you always are moving the fold, you know? And it's like, it's like, if you, if you know, you can't do that anymore, like you don't have the time to do it. That's I'm saying. That's what's required to be successful in the long term. Like being able to condense and cut and make uh, an entertaining product at the end of the day. If you mm-hmm. don't have the time to do that, hire someone to do it. And if you recognize you need to do it in your content, start fucking doing it. Edit it yourself. Yep. You know, produce better quality streams. 
get a green screen, something. <laughs> there's um, there's two points that I want to highlight, and I've I've always fought inside myself whether or not this was like a questionable way to go about it, but it ended up working out for me. And you can tell me what you think about it. So um, the the first point that I want to highlight is. You can, the good thing about being like an amateur creator is you can find an amateur editor. You don't necessarily yeah. need to go out there and find the best of the best. There's, of course, there's going to be people who are really good at editing that are going to charge $40, $50, $60 an hour to edit. You can find people out there that are, will admit that they are not the greatest, but they want to learn. If you can find somebody who is hungry and wants to learn editing, and then they're okay with getting paid, not what a regular editor gets paid, you guys can grow together. And then as you grow, you can pay more. And as they grow, they're going to want more. And that's super, super good. Um, what I did after um, struggling to find an editor for a while, I put out a feeler like, hey, I'm really bogged down. I'm looking for somebody in the community that enjoys the content that wouldn't mind editing the podcast for me. It's all you need to do is clip the beginning, clip the end, create a thumbnail and, and send it to me so that I can upload it. And mm -hmm. I put it out there as it was not a paid thing. I decided I like, I don't have a lot. I, I can't do much. Please hit me up. I had some people hit me up and then I found somebody and his name is Ginkgo Bilibasaur and he's a fucking awesome person. And he's like, Hey, I would love to, I would love to help out. And, um, and then I said, okay, well, just so you know, this isn't a free thing. I do want to pay you. Like, And yeah. putting it up for free helped me weed out who actually wanted to do the job or yeah. not. And then as soon as I found somebody that was willing to do the volunteer, I was like, okay, just so you know, I actually do want to pay you. It's not going to be your fucking GME, right? We're not going to the moon with this payment, but I do want to give you something. And that ended up working out really well for me was that a shitty thing to do to like ask for somebody to do it for free and then pay them afterwards no i mean i think there is there's definitely like a precedent in this industry where people put out these sort of job offers on the assumption that they're not going to pay like they're like they're looking for free help but i think at the same time i wouldn't expect you to have a budget to hire an editor like right. you're, you're a solo dude streaming you know a few nights a week I'm sure you make plenty of money off of this, but like, do you know how much a fucking real editor costs? That's a lot. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm a full-time video editor. I don't make what a real editor costs and I make the, a living. I, I was going to ask to confirm the hourly rate, but I don't want you to put that out there if you don't want to. I mean, for me, I can't tell you what I make. Okay. That's, that's, that's privileged yeah. information. No, that's good. It's not, it's, listen, it's not exorbitant, but a real editor, like working at an editing suite is making $200 an hour. Like, minimum and that's like that's like you basically take your footage to them you're like these are the this is the footage i have uh this is what i want and uh they do it they put a rough cut together and then they 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 mix and master they do the color and whatever you're you're spending thousands of dollars to have someone edit and it's like if you go like an hour over budget man oh it's bad news dude so like i like i definitely think it's good to be like listen i have money I will fucking pay you to do this job. The problem is, and this is this is uh this is like a cancer on the content creator industry, is that people don't want to work for money. And it blows my mind. Like, like as I, a default. No exact like totally. Like people 
they don't think they're good enough or they don't think their art is good enough. So they go like, here's my art. It's so cute. I'm, you know, follow me on Patreon, whatever. I, I take commissions, but I only charge $35 for something that takes me 12 hours to do. Charge the fucking money. You're, yeah. And like the, the big secret that I shouldn't be saying this. It's something no one wants to hear. We are all shit at this. I am. <laughs> I am not a fucking I'm not Ansel Adams, okay? I'm just a guy with a camera that kind of knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You're just a streamer that kind of knows what he's doing. We're not we're not geniuses. Dr. Disrespect, for all of his production value and character value or whatever, he's just a normal guy that kind of, like, is figuring it out as he goes along. If you want to edit, if you want to make YouTube videos, if you want to take photos, if you want to do anything, just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And if if you're doing it and people like it, charge money for it. Like... The I amount think that of, is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, it, it's like I don't know. Go, go. What you were gonna say <laughs> the amount of times that I hit people up. I'm like, hey, I need four emotes, and they're like, okay, cool. That'll be twenty dollars. I'm like, stop, bucks, bro. That's like a three hundred dollar job minimum. <laughs> Fucking charge, charge me money. Yeah, and like, listen, I am totally okay with Fiverr existing. I think it is a yeah. fantastic service. And you yeah. can find great people doing great. I had someone do a remix of the Battlefield theme mixed with the Terminator theme. And it sucked. Like, the guy that said it, it was like just some fucking MIDI mashup. But there was like a 30-second clip in it that was really fucking good. And that's what I used. And it was perfect. And Where I the fuck 20- is it, Alex? I don't know. It's I haven't used it yet, actually. Like, I haven't posted okay. it. Okay, but um, I need it. It was like it was twenty three dollars well spent, and I'm like, if that guy who makes shitty MIDI remixes of music just spent like five hours a day doing it and got good good enough to like really charge money for it, he could be charging thousands of dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing like anyone can do this. Like at video editing, I am not an amazing video editor. I take clips, I cut them, I cut the boring shit out, I slap them together, I organize thoughts, ideas, and I put it into a cohesive package. On a technical level, I am not an amazing editor. I can't do amazing transitions or effects. I can use After Effects. I have a graphic design background. And that's something I actually want to touch on in a second. But um, I like my ability. What makes me a good editor is that I can take an hour of footage and condense it into ten minutes. That's, that presents the whole hour, but in like a complete package that's only ten minutes long and it's entertaining. That is my skill. That is the thing I have worked the hardest on. And it's something you learn by doing. Like, anyone yes. can learn to be a video editor. And, like, that's the cool thing. It's like DaVinci Resolve is free. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it's a color grading software, not an editing suite. But it's getting there. But for video editing, dude, <laughs> it is way more than enough. Like, you, could, I used to use iMovie, like, before it was <laughs> yeah. a Final Cut clone. I'm talking one audio track, one video track, okay? Mm-hmm. No, no multi-track. I used to cut some dope shit on iMovie. And now, DaVinci Resolve, if I had had DaVinci Resolve in 2008 when I started making, taking YouTube more seriously, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I wouldn't be in this position in life. You'd be at the White House. (laughs) Bro, I'd be like, I'd be like editing for like NFL films or something. Like, I would be. I the the privilege we have with the software and hardware we have access to these days is fucking mind blowing. Yeah. So yeah, anyone can do this. We're all shit at it. It's fine. There's um I regarding the condensing down content. Um, trying to write 
and record content for TikTok has actually kind of blindsided me of like, you fluff a lot when you talk. And and I've yeah. like, when I go back and look at my, I think I have a 30 minute tutorial on nesting scenes on OBS. And it's like, it's way too fucking long. Uh, I could probably trim that down a lot. And that's something that I've gotten better over time. But trying to record uh, content for TikTok has made me be super cognizant of what I'm saying, try and get to the point. I obviously have to speak faster because I, I'm not necessarily a fast speaker, um, yeah. but trying to condense that stuff and learn like, okay, what is the point that you need to get across? How much time do you spend setting the premise? How much time do you spend explaining? And then how much time do you spend after the fact trying to dish out additional information? And so that's kind of been fun in itself because when you think of youtube you're like oh i can make a youtube video as long as i want like if you're a beginner creator that's your your thought but if you're experienced you know like your click through your rates your average watch time um all the things that you need to consider when you're when you're making a video um but yeah it's something that i didn't really um think about at first and then i was just realizing oh my god I am cramming three minutes worth of talking into one minute, and I'm like, I'm sacrificing funny parts, and then I fucking yeah. hate this. And then I post, and I'm like, okay, this is actually still kind of cool. Yeah. No, I mean that is that's something I've learned over the years, and I started making like uh, comedy videos where I I'm a very political person. I take politics very seriously because it's something that is very important to our society, and I know that's something that a lot of people don't want to talk about, they don't want to hear about, and I get it. So I try to make it funny and I try to make it entertaining and I let my anger and rage about this stuff kind of shine through and that's part of the comedic element of it. But in doing that content, something I realized really quickly is that I got to get to the punchline as fast as possible Mm because I got like 15 seconds of your time and if I don't make you laugh in that time, it's not going to be interesting. And I'm not saying like, you know, you got to be funny all the time or anything, but it's something I've... I like I kind of always had in the back of my head like just get to the point don't waste time and when I started the technical channel that I run now which is like the DIY mics cameras stuff that I'm covering like I don't make a lot of content because I don't have a lot of time but I just put out a video about how to normalize audio and windows with like one click it's fucking great I love um, your um your banner by the way how you put in like the programming colors and um <laughs> it's, it's, I like it a lot I'm. I. It reminds me of my old RCA TV that had like the little. It's fucking. I'm a nerd. Uh, but yeah, no. It's like totally like you gotta you gotta get to the point as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And like my my content production workflow now for my own stuff or other stuff is, you know, every every word matters, every frame of the video matters, and it's that's a that's something I learned in the commercial industry because like when you have a script you stick to the script the actor says the thing and you don't put a single word in that script that doesn't advance the story or sell the product like period like bernie sanders if you're listening the reason you keep losing elections is because you put not us or not me us in your slogan just put it just make it us yeah <laughs> bro you're wasting you're telling people don't vote for me us just I us. don't see and us on the ballot. <laughs> exactly. And so it's it's one of those things where it's like you learn you learn really quickly doing online cr- content creation that the attention span of people is it's the fucking it's gone. They don't have attention spans anymore. That's why TikTok's so successful because you can infinitely scroll until something makes you stop. Yeah. And um so with YouTube, like it's a lesson I've learned. 
And I, it's gut-wrenching, dude. Like, I'll be like, oh, man, that was a funny take of that video. And I'm to the point now where the video I just put out, it looks like I cut between takes. That was all one take. And About I, the Texas, uh, is that the governor? No, fuck that. That's, that those, I could shit those videos. <laughs> um, no, the, the audio video I put out about uh, normalizing, yep. that's one continuous take that I just cut the breaths out of and punched in a few times. Like... I've just gotten to the point where I have I have so little free time and I have so little energy for editing that like I get everything I need in one take, like one continuous take, and I don't fucking go ring around the rosy with it. And then I get it into the editing software and I just cut out whatever doesn't work. I cut out the breaths and then that's the video. So like that video, I might have done ten takes. Like I'm a fuck. I'm Tom Scott, motherfucker. I t- do the one whole video take. on one take. I'm the one take master. But like I do it, and like it takes me like ten or ten or so tries per video to get the like the good take. But when I get the good take, I know it. Then I just take it, cut it, and I post it. And the cool thing about that video is it's the first video where I've taken it and posted it on Twitter and TikTok as their own separately edited or recut videos. And it really made me appreciate the fact that I didn't waste a fucking word in that video. And I still had shit I could cut for the Twitter. Because Twitter is 2 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah. And then TikTok is 60 seconds. So I took a video that's like 3-something minutes long. I can it to 2 minutes and 20 seconds. And then I found a 60-second video that said exactly the same thing. And it pissed me off because I was like, this video on YouTube could have been 60 seconds long. And it would have said exactly the same thing. Yeah. And like th- the thing is, when you... Every video a viewer sees on YouTube is a question. Do I want to watch this? And when you can when you can click that video and you can get the answer in 60 seconds, that video is going to have a lot more value to people than a 30-minute video about the same topic. Not to shit on you, everyone does this. Yep. And like I'm not saying 60-second videos are possible for everything, but the, that's like why this style of content talking about webcams and streaming and stuff is so popular on TikTok because it forces you to shut the fuck up about shit that doesn't fucking matter mm-hmm. and just actually talk about the thing that does. Yep. And like I, I, I love it so much because it's forcing everyone I know who doesn't cut out the breaths to cut out the breaths and get to the fucking point. <laughs> yep. Do you, do you find that um, with engaging with TikTok more, do you prefer long form content less? Will you still watch a 20 minute YouTube video? No, I most of the content I watch on YouTube is actually pretty long. Like okay. Winter Garden's videos are like at least 15 minutes. Um is I that watch the Marble guy? Of, yeah, Marble guy. All right, I'm gonna have to check that out. <laughs> oh, it's so good, dude. He's such a fucking nerd. But like, yeah, no, it hasn't diminished my appreciation of long form content at all. Um and honestly, like a TikTok is a platform like the 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 scrolling feed and stuff like the 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 actual implementation of how they deliver and help you make content is fucking genius it is the most ingenious platform i have ever come across it's just it's so well executed but i fucking hate most of the content i (laughs) i can't and like me making content on it has been incredibly infuriating because I cover some political stuff from time to time on TikTok and the comments are like from bootlicking Trump supporters and it drives me insane. Like I posted a video and it's, it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. It doesn't matter if you believe in the, what the protesters were protesting or not. It's completely an aside to that. 
The fact of the matter was that a cop took his SUV and drove it through a crowd of people with force and he hurt people. And so I made a TikTok being like, if we can't trust police officers to operate their cars in a safe and, you know, a manner befitting someone sworn to serve and protect the public, why would you trust them with a $75,000 robot from Boston Dynamics? And to be frank, the Boston Dynamics robot spot, the dog thing, yeah. is it's an incredible innovation. It is insane. But it is basically useless to most industries unless you can put an arm on it and make it do like production line work or like put a camera on it and make it do like, you or know, mini neighborhood gun. or mini. Listen, I'm working on it. Okay. Uh, Boston Dynamics, if you want a cool ass video, let me know. Sponsor um, us, please. But like they gave one, the police bought one for 75 grand. And the comments on that TikTok where I'm basically like, if you don't trust them with a car, why would you trust them with a robot? Because, you know, eventually they're going to put guns on the robots. It's going to be a bad time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Right. And it's like the comments are like, well, actually, if you notice the windshield of that SUV is cracked. And, uh, you know, so they were just like trying to get out. I'm like, they could have backed up. They could have not tried to drive through the crowd in the first place. They could have acted like a trained police officer and served and protected the people by not driving over them. Yeah. Like the whole reason the cop was there was to co- try to control the crowd with force. And that force was a 5,000 pound metal object that can travel at 60 miles an hour on a city street. Like it's uh, a huge, it's a huge responsibility. And it's like, but the comments, you guys bad. have a lot of work to do. Yeah. You have so much work to do as content creators on TikTok to inform people that they're stupid and how to think better because, Oh, my brain fell out of my head on some of the comments. There was a lot of that. Um, I know I know that um, Epos has probably gotten a lot of it. Because like, I see Epos tweet about the stupid comments that he get. And I and I almost tweeted about this recently. But um, somebody had asked me, like, hey, how hot does your room get? And I'm like, well, oh it, gets, my God. it gets super fucking hot because it's 8 by 9. And, you know, I leave in my air conditioner all year. The people that try to tell you how to use your utilities to save money like oh you should you should probably take the window conditioner out and close the window so you can save money it's like it's my fucking money i don't i don't care like okay cool you're going to you're going to govern me on how much electricity i use guess what when i shit i take two ply and i fold it you probably fucking 20 ply have a handful of toilet paper and throw it down like People that try to coach me on what I waste in life and what I don't, fuck off. I don't fucking care about what you think I waste. It's Listen, only- <laughs> I fucking shop at Costco now because I'm expecting a child and I need 50 pounds of pasta to last three months. So I can't, so I don't have to go fucking shop. Don't fucking tell me about saving money, you fucks. Drives, I will- Listen, drives me insane. These headphones were $200 and I bought them. Literally because I saw a review that made me happy. I was like, I like this review. I'm going to buy them because I want something to come in the mail and make me happy. I don't. Fu- I have so many fucking pairs of fucking headphones. I don't need more. But if you fucking tell me, Alex, you shouldn't be buying headphones because that's wasteful. These are fucking great headphones. Fuck you. They sound amazing. I love them. I love, I love my friend Sander to death. I love him so much. He's one of my best friends. I was doing a cooking stream one time and I was making French fries. And so I was cutting 
the tops and the bottoms off of the potatoes so that all the potato, all the French fries could be the same length, the same width. The same, they, they needed to be uniform because that's how fries are good. And so after cutting eight potatoes and shaving off, and I threw all the shavings away, and he started giving me shit for not saving the shavings of the potatoes to make home fries. I lost my fucking mind <laughs> trying to like reason. And then of course, like as soon as one person talks about it, like chat, like, yeah, you could have made fries. You could have, I, yeah, I could have done a lot of shit, but guess what? They're in the trash. And then I just started throwing away good pieces of potato just to further <laughs> piss them off. Um, but that's like, that's one thing that necessarily isn't, bad but it it triggers the hell out of me like like oh like oh you that's a waste of electricity that's a waste of water that's get the fuck out of my my life this is me yeah. this is my house i make my money i spend my money how i want i don't need you to tell me how i should use my utilities that's always just drove me fucking insane yeah i mean there's a huge difference between advice and telling people what to do like, yeah. And we all experience this every fucking waking moment, especially if you use social media a lot. There's so much noise out there now. And, you know, I hate to sound like a boomer because I, I fucking I respect the shit out of social media and I think it's very valuable. I think it's got a lot of problems, whatever. Me too. But, but like it is it is so full of noise because everyone wants to have an opinion or put their feedback on something or input, whatever. And it's not that it's not valuable. It's that, you know, when you say, I, uh, you know, I went to the, I went to Ikea today and I bought a bed and some fucking asshole is like, well, actually, if you bought the Fukarsk instead of the Fushil, you know, you would have had a more comfortable night's sleep. Motherfucker, I laid on the fucking Fushil. It was fucking nice. So I bought it. You weren't fucking there. You don't have my spine. Shut the fuck up. But sometimes a motherfucker will be like, yo, you know what's really good at Ikea? The fucking flap schmear. I didn't think of the flap schmear. And it's like there's this fine line between like unsolicited bullshit noise yeah. and actually useful advice. And I think it's definitely hard to find the line because everyone has a different line. Like you mentioned Epos, Epos's like funny comments stuff. Mm-hmm. Epos's line is very vague to me. Like I don't know like – what's frustrating him and what's not a lot. Right. And I talk to that motherfucker every day. I love the guy. And it's, it's really interesting to see like what annoys him about YouTube comments versus other people, because we're all different. Like I have, I have such a high tolerance for stupid. I have such a high tolerance for noise and like, I'll see something stupid and like, it'll bother me, but like, I'll just be like, ha you're stupid next. Yeah, And uh, it's actually funny you bring this up because today, or last night, I wrote the comment today, but last night my wife was watching this guy that he like, uh, he's a travel vlogger and he lives in an RV. And because of the pandemic and everything kind of being shut down, he's basically just been at Disney World for a month. And which is fucking amazing, right? Like he spent like a whole week at the park and now he's like going to the different resorts and like camping and the RV parks or whatever. But the and he posted this video of going to one of the Disney resorts, and my wife was watching it on our TV, and it was infuriating because the whole time he's basically like being the boomer that doesn't understand why masks save lives, and he's like complaining about like Disney like having uneven rules about mask wearing and like some of the stuff is shut down because you can't touch it because that's like not sanitary or safe, and it's like like I left this comment and it was basically like, do you not recognize the insane privilege you have as someone 
who can travel in an RV to go. You can go literally anywhere you want on the face of the fucking planet right now. And people are dying. And you have the privilege of being able to spend like your entire uh, an entire month at a Disney resort and you're complaining. And like I totally recognize that comment is noise. I totally recognize I'm just telling the guy, fuck you, you piece of shit for being such an entitled douchebag. Yeah. But at the same time, someone else might see that comment and go, you know, that guy's fucking right. This dude is being a dick. The <laughs> pandemic is a real problem and he's kind of being a real arrogant asshole about it. I don't like it. And like I think that is what people when they say don't throw away the potatoes, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for, hey, I want to give advice that other people are going to see and be like, that helped me. And it's totally cool. Like it's it's a very genuine thing, but you I think the difference is you have to respect when someone tells you to fuck off. Like right. or blocks you or something. Like I I see so many creators that are like, I don't block people when they annoy me. And I'm like, are you I block people. I'll be scrolling. Someone will retweet someone else's tweet. I don't like that tweet. I'll just block the fucking retweeted tweet. I don't need to see that shit. I don't need my day darkened by your fucking obnoxious bullshit. Yeah. And it's like, just have a line and be like, this annoys me. And if you cross the line, I don't want to. You're bye. Goodbye. Have yep. a nice day. There is. It's. You you got to utilize it. The muting and the blocking. Uh, it's so good for your fucking sanity. Oh my god. Um, yeah, like I have, I I blocked. I have. There are like literally phrases that I've blocked on Twitter because I just don't want to see like shit. I don't want to. I don't want to see dumb stuff every day. And it's like, yeah, am I missing out on something funny? Probably, maybe. I don't know. I don't give a fuck, man. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it in the in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, fuck Cujo chat. You know, um, Cujo is somebody who, um, when I first kind of started getting involved in Epos community, Cujo's another guy that was like, yeah, I don't really watch Twitch streams that often. And then I like, I see him once in chat. I see him twice in chat. I'm like, oh, yeah, you fucking Cujo, got him. You, come on back. You thought you was getting out, but not really. You back in, motherfucker. <laughs> hey, do you want to entertain my chat for me while I go relieve myself in the bathroom? Can I get naked? Yeah. <laughs> What platform are we on? Yes, you can. <laughs> I mean, do you have a hot tub? Oh fuck, that's a good idea. I've been trying to convince my wife to buy us one of those inflatable hot tubs for years. But she have won't you, do it. Have you seen? There is something else where it's like a think of like a pool, uh, a pool floaty. The ones that you like lay in, they yeah. go in the bottom of your bathtub. Oh, I've seen, and they dude. create the jacuzzi effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I need one. You get I one of those. Five. I need two. I need more. I I need it. Do, yeah, no, do you have I'm two happy baths? To, I, I wish. I was about I, to say, like dude, a privileged motherfucker. Is, <laughs> when you when you get back from peeing, I got a, I got a great bathroom layout problem to to throw at you. Man. All right, oh. ninety seconds. All right, all right, chat. If you guys have questions that you need answered, I saw Floof Derp was asking some questions, and uh, I screenshotted them. And I will answer them right now, even though I think we're doing a Q&A later. Uh, Floof Derp. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Floof Derp. Uh, you wanted fancy headphone cables or fancy... Yeah, fancy cables. There's two companies. Uh, Hart, H-A-R-T Audio. They make custom cables that are affordable. And uh, I highly recommend them. They do. They will custom make you any fucking cable under the sun. But they also sell a bunch of pre-made stuff. It's great. 
If you're looking for something that's not boutique and you're just like, I need like an RCA cable that's like red and white to a headphone. Amazon Basics cables are fucking lit, dude. They're so cheap and yet so good. Uh, yo, Ice, my face is dumb because you're fucking dumber. Fuck you. And then um, if with Derp asks another question, how do you cut all the breaks and stuff? I Just look at the audio for the person talking. And if there's nothing happening, just cut it. And then the video is fine. Don't worry about it. And welcome back. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> dude, that was perfect timing. I answered two fucking questions that I oh. I intended to save until after the podcast. But fuck it, dude. I'm perfect. Doing live. Um, speaking they were of stupid questions anyway, fuck it. <laughs> so regarding your um your bathroom story, once that's oh. done, we can probably get into we got four questions from the Q and A, and then that will most likely put us at about the two and a half hour mark, which is like the perfect medium for me. Um, okay. so um, so please, your bathroom story. Okay, so my bathroom. When we first saw this house, like we rent. And uh, we were in that we were trying to move to a bigger space. So we looked at a few places and we saw this place and like everything was going okay. It was like the basement, the ceiling's so low I can't stand up. That's kind of a problem. And then we opened the bathroom door and the bathroom is really tiny. It's like in between two rooms on a on the corner of the house. So like it's like 90 degrees and the 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 bathroom is like around the corner basically. Okay. So it's a very awkward bathroom. And the toilet is nearly tucked under the sink. So when you sit on the toilet, your knees go under the sink. And my wife being pregnant is like, she's getting to the point where it might be uncomfortable for her to use the toilet. It's so, I don't know who the fuck designed this house, but you're a fucking asshole. No, don't fucking overlap the bathroom appliances, my guy. Yeah. That, like, it's so and it's like obvious that like it was like there's like an extension on the house and the bathroom was like in a slightly different orientation before my whole the whole fucking house like all of the outlets the they're all grounded which is great they're three prong but they're upside down oh so my the, God. the grounding prongs on the top so everything i plug in it's upside down and i'm like it's one of those things where it's like dude how is that acceptable how do you look at that and go oh that's up that's upside down and not fix it like yeah it's I'll leave it. It drives me fucking insane. <laughs> Our sink is super close to the toilet. I've never asked if if uh, my girlfriend has done this, but going from the pulling pants down to go into number two mode, I've hit my forehead on the sink going down. And then also in a, a night of drunken super, I've also hit my chin going down as well. Oh. <laughs> and it's just like, and then I have to shit with my tongue out of my mouth. Just, uh. Cause you can't stop. You're like, you're like basically once the pants come off and you start bending over, the shit's already coming out. Yeah. We've got a squatty potty. So it's, it's fucking over. Oh, nice. I yeah. saw a TikTok of that once where this dude like, he like ascended to a third plane of existence because of the squatty potty. Whip me up, dude. I almost bought one, but squatty potty in a bidet is like the fucking triforce of <sighs> shitting. I need a fucking bidet. So we bad, do too. Dude. We do too. I'm about to just take a hose. <laughs> just bring because, it into your bathroom, dude. Honestly, we have so we have a shower with like the uh, detachable head with a hose on it. My ass has never been this clean before. Like I didn't realize like 
the difference, like just having something with force rinse out that area mm-hmm. does. Cause like, obviously I've washed my ass my whole life and it's always been clean, but now it is like spotless clean. It's like gay porn star clean, which is a compliment to gay porn. So I don't know how the fuck you guys do it. I, I don't know how women do it that ha- like, cause that's two holes. You got to keep clean. That's yeah. fucking insane. And they're dude. so close. They're, they're literally next to each other. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. It's funny, actually. I was watching an interview with like porn stars at AVN once. It was like a, it was like part of like a comedy sketch from an, a one of the channels I watch. And they were like, "How do you prepare for anal sex for a scene?" And it was a male porn star doing the interview. So he would go, he would ask this question, and the girls would be like, "Oh, well, I spend basically twenty four hours not eating." I use a butt plug. I sanitize three times a day while I'm doing this. Like it's very, it's a very regimented thing. And the guy go, the, the dude doing the interview that's a porn star, he's like, "Yeah, that's fucking great. I that's that's awesome." And then the next tricky interviews, she's like, "Uh, I don't really do anything. I just kind of you know wipe a couple times and I show up." And the guy, the guy, you can see his face just go, "I've had shit on my dick because of this one." <laughs> and it's like, I. I have such an appreciation now for clean butts because my butt is so clean. And I also, pro tip, uh, Dr. Bronner's soaps, pure Castile soaps. I'm so clean right now. I took a shower right before the podcast. I'm so clean right now. I don't have any, like, skin oils. I am completely dry and sanitary. (laughs) And I'm going to be this way for three days straight. I've forgotten to shower twice after using this stuff. I, cu- I couldn't remember when I last showered. I was still clean. Holy shit. I was, I'll send you a link later. It's Dr. Bronner's soap. This is not an ad. It's not sponsored. If you want to sponsor Knackers, let me know. Uh, Dr. It, Bronner's. I saw, a, I saw a TikTok of a guy who used the peppermint stuff they make. And he's like, it felt like I was in the shower and my ass was out on the porch, on the porch in the winter drinking a 40. And <laughs> I, it made me laugh so hard. I was like, I have to try this soap. I got to see what they got. I got to see this is bullshit. And it turns out that one of my relatives bought us a sample pack already. And so I had it and I used it that night. And I was like, I Game felt that dude, my asshole. It felt like it was, I was buck naked in the like Canadian winter. It was so clean feeling. So I bought the lavender one. And I really <laughs> oh shit. Lavender. Yo, uh, I'm sold. Um, I, I've been bar soaping it for a couple years now, just out of I sheer bar soap. disgust for like overpriced shower products. I that's the thing. Like I, I hate like the the beauty industry's obsession with like you've got to buy like this like moisturizer exfoliating bullshit because I have bad skin and uh, my wife is into makeup and I love like drag queens. Like I'm in, I'm totally obsessed with like makeup. Really? Gurus. Yeah, I it's it's a very weird conversation topic starter thing, but like I am I am a RuPaul Drag Race fanatic. I watch that show every every Friday night with my wife. Like, my girlfriend fucking, loves you now. Good because she's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, and it's 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 incredible, but like the stuff they go through, like especially drag queens, like they are very because they're not women. They're very like they have the like mentality of guys that are like. I want the cheapest thing that does the job. And it's like, dude, man, like makeup wipes, fucking genius. You don't need to spend $80 on a pack of makeup wipes. You fucking get yourself some fucking Lysol wipes. They're fine. Uh, And it's like, I, 
when I found this soap, I was like, this is it. This is the soap I'm going to have for the rest of my life because it's exactly what I want. And it's like $15 a bottle for like a 32 ounce fucking jug. Like, it's amazing. You and thought like, you were going to so, take the Irish Spring to your to your grave. <laughs> yeah, no, that shit. Listen, they're going to bury me with a bottle of lavender <laughs> Dr. Bronner soap because that, that that's that's an endorsement that I will stand by for the rest of my life. That is the perfect soap. All right, and it's I'm like, in. bro, fuck fancy soaps, dude. Just get the shit that fucking is like a chemical peel for your whole body. <laughs> And I love the bottles in this stuff that they chose. Not glamorous whatsoever. Those big bottles look like it's just like a bottle of fucking baby oil, baby oil or something. Yeah. Um, family soap makers since 1858. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. You you sold me. Yeah. You you won't regret it. Um, I buy a sample pack because they have like all sorts of different scents and it's like it's a vibe, man. You it's like playing a piano. You can pick your notes. Uh, but I was going to say the reason I got into this shit is because I got into shaving a long time ago and I discovered like the artisan shaving soap industry. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, as a guy, like, you know, you're not normally exposed to like the stuff that women are exposed to because of like the whole makeup stuff. Right. But like when you get into shaving, there is like this cottage industry of like handmade artisanal soap and they're fucking amazing. And I've bought some I've, but like at the end of the day, the shit that works the best is like Nivea's like shave gel and it's like $5 a bottle. And I'm like, experientially, yeah, the handcrafted soap smells nice and it makes me feel good because I used it and blah, blah, blah. But if I want a good shave, I'm reaching for the fucking $5 shave stuff off the shelf from the drugstore, motherfucker. Okay, listen up. You know? I buy my razors from Dollar Shave Club and my shave lather. Nice. It's like the four razors a month for, I think, eight bucks, something like that. Love it. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. What no, are you going to can't. Like, I, listen, I use a double. I shave once a month, and I use a beard trimmer now. I've completely given up. Yeah. But like, oh, yeah. I haven't shaved my face in so long. Yeah, it's like, but I got other things I need to shave. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly my dogs, but. Yeah, yeah that too. Um, <laughs> all right, homie. You want to, I know we didn't touch on, I here's the thing. When I saw that you had written so many amazing things as talking points, in my head, I'm like, I love that he was so forthright with his preparation. But at the same time, I'm like, I know how he talks. I know how I talk. We're not yeah. getting to fucking 70% oh, of these. No, it's fine, dude. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, if you, want, if you want Chad to ask a question about any of our topics, feel free to uh, put them in the chat and let yep. them decide. Chat, um, feel free to use exclamation point Q if you want to ask a question before we end this. Now is the time. Um, there will be a cutoff just so we don't go for three and a half hours because we fucking could if we wanted to. Um, dude, I'll be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you Eastern uh, Standard Time? Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I actually I don't even know what state you live in. Philadelphia. Which oh, is not a state. Shit. It's a city. Yeah. Um, you you up in that Detroit, up in that that's Philadelphia, dog. Oh, motherfucker. So I've been inside you uh, one, two, oh, really? three times so far. Um, mm. Now, I will say, I have only had the touristy cheesesteaks that exist in Philadelphia. Uh, um, but I you recreated. You went to Geno's, didn't you? No, I went to Pat's. I was a Pat's guy. You f actually, you made a good call. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm Pat's all the way, dude. Um, but uh, we have friends. I don't know where they live outside the city limits in in Philly. Um, 
Wait, no, that's Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. Philly's totally different. Fuck. All right, we're going to... Anyway, cheesesteaks. <laughs> I love cheesesteaks. Okay. <laughs> um, the first question comes from Cujo. Alex, what's your craziest wedding photography story? Uh, Fights. I so did you capture them? Of course. So okay, good. So I used to photograph Indian weddings, and Indian folks are—they have a lot of like traditional values and beliefs, and it's an incredibly vibrant and beautiful culture. Like when you see when you go to an Indian wedding, you are getting like the creme de la creme of weddings. On top of they're just fucking amazing parties. But there is one element of every Indian wedding that is very violent, and that is when the bride's family steals the groom's shoes. Because when you get married, you can't leave the 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 like ceremony without your shoes. It's like a big deal. And so when they steal the shoes, the bride, the grooms, the groomsmen and stuff basically are like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, motherfucker, we're throwing down over this now." The the shoes always get stolen. They always get returned. It's like a process. But some folks at these weddings, they start drinking a little early and they get fucking serious, dude. I have seen dudes plow through crowds of women trying to grab the shoe from whoever stole it. I've seen I've seen people nearly come to like actually physically fighting with their fists. I've seen like people getting trampled. It's <laughs> wild, dude. And Honestly, at the, at, once it's all over, everyone is still having an amazing time. It's not awkward like at you know white people weddings where like someone farts and it ruins the whole wedding. Right? Indian folks like because it's it's like it, it's part of the the culture and the belief system behind why they're getting married. So it's like part of the event is like it's like hockey. There's got to be a fight at some point. That's right. the whole fucking point. <laughs> and. Uh, so like you know it, that is my crate it's a good wedding story i'm sorry but i have a lot of bad ones that i don't want to relive gotcha that, that's fair uh i had no idea that that was a thing that happened at indian weddings that is fucking hilarious it's, indian weddings are great like if you if you hate weddings you should try going to just crash an indian wedding once in your life you'll have a completely different opinion of weddings you will get so fucked up and dance so hard oh my god and the it's food too Oh, and I love Indian food, and everyone I work with kind of hates it. It's so fucking fun. I'll be, like, getting three plates, and these motherfuckers will be like, I don't know, man. My butt's going to hurt tomorrow. I'm like, I drink hot sauce for breakfast, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next question from Girthy. Uh, How much do you think the pandemic played a role in the rise of non-gaming streams? Oh, man. It's tough to say because I think the reason IRL streams and just chatting took off was because people could take their camera and, like, go to, like, some crazy part of town and, like, do cool stuff. But I also think everyone installing Zoom and realizing they could record themselves has opened up the door to, like, stuff like this and, like, like podcasting has become super popular. And, uh, like, right now, like, uh, Code Miko... Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite streamer on Twitch because she has an a- animated, fu- like full body motion capture suit. Like, we're talking a motion capture suit that's like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. Oh, holy! And shit. she she wears it like the it's like the extents or something motion. Ca- it's like a new thing that just came out recently. It's really changing how people do this stuff. 
Um, but so she wears that, and then she also has like full face tracking with her webcam, and she's completely built from the ground up an Unreal Engine game in which her character is mapped to her body, so she acts as the avatar. Like, it's VTuber on the next fucking level. Mm -hmm. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the reason she has time to do this is because what else are you going to do? And part of what's made her so popular, I think, is that she, as the character, interviews other streamers. And her comedic timing and everything aside, it's like she's creating an element of collaboration that I don't think would have taken off so quickly if it weren't for the pandemic because us streamers, like, whatever, we have all way more free time because we're not, like, going out and doing things. But yep. we also needed to supplement the lack of being able to go out and film ourselves with something that we could do at home. And folks like Code Miko have, like, kind of revolutionized how you engage with your content because you can be like, I'm in a video game and I can make myself explode in a violent uh, display of death and violence as a video game character, and it looks cool, and then people give me bits to make my boobs bigger. Win-win! Pretty, it's an absolute win. Like, dude, Code Miko, huge shout-out, huge props. She gets banned on a monthly basis from, by Twitch, even though they're totally fine with chicks showing their actual buttholes. Uh, I, so need I, a, don't know. I need a Code Miko Sushi Dragon collaboration. Oh my fucking! The universe would implode, dude. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I would absolutely love that. Um, I don't think, I don't think that the pandemic necessarily played a role in not because, like, non gaming streams, in my opinion, were already on the rise. Like you, yeah. you've seen a lot of streamers deviate spending. You know, it, it used to be streamers would start the stream in the middle of a match like they they would just start the stream and then they would go and now you see especially with the big guys and girls they start they start chatting they hang out for an hour sometimes two and then they get into the video games and not only is it a really great way to build relationships with people in your community it's also a good way to supplement the gaming so instead of having a game for eight hours straight you can yeah. talk for two. You can game for two. You can break it up with a meal. You can fucking mukbang if you want. Um, and so I think the the variety has definitely um, helped a lot of people. Whether that was pandemic-infused or not, I can't say that I've seen any stats to, to prove or disprove that. I mean, obviously, more people are home. Um, yeah. But at the same time, there's more streamers. There's also more viewers. You know? Yeah, so I think I, that's the big thing. It's like there, it's... Everyone being forced to be at home has just created a bigger viewer base. Like, that's why games like Fall Guys, Among Us, uh, Phasmophobia, Rust, whatever, that's why they've blown up so big. It's because people are home now more than they've ever been since Twitch has been a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like there is such a – the audience for that content has just gotten so much bigger and so much more hungry for that content. Like, I think – I don't think necessarily that, like, you know, just chatting streams took off because of the pandemic. They were taken up before it. But I think the desire to watch that content has gotten much bigger. And so that's kind of propelled the popularity. But like IRL content was already becoming the de facto content on Twitch before uh, the pandemic even happened. And like I, a big part of why I left Twitch and started streaming on Mixer and now I'm on YouTube is because I think the, the culture of Twitch has changed to be very much like drama oriented and like Twitch does a really bad job of moderation. And it's just... It's real sus overall. And like I 
I still think Twitch is a great platform. I have no issue with people wanting to stream on Twitch. Like, I'm happy, obviously, to appear on Twitch. Like, I'm not, like, a fuck Twitch kind of guy. But at the same time, I think other platforms like YouTube are just a better format for me. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly due to quality, but also because, like, if I have a problem with YouTube content, normally YouTube ends up resolving it in some way. With Twitch, yeah. it's like they can't even release a fucking emote without causing an outrage these days. Yeah. And, and whether you want to, that's neither here nor there, but yeah. That's, it's a big reason why I needed to kind of take a step back from Twitch is if I want to exist long term in this space, I have to put time into other platforms as well which is why i'm yeah. I'm going into tiktok i'm going into youtube and 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 you know part of me going this route with twitch is in turn to create good youtube content as well like talking highlights tech highlights stuff like that um you know i have to be prepared for what happens if twitch goes bye-bye in two years you know you just like yeah you, i you mean never fucking know I've been on this boat for so long that, like, I was on Vimeo. I was on Blip.tv. Like, I've been on all of the video sites over the years uh, for work or personal stuff. And, like, the all, all your eggs in one basket thing is just the dumbest possible thing you could do because you're limiting your potential growth. Because, uh, you know, like, no one knew that Twitter was going to be huge. No one knew that TikTok was going to be so big. But the people that were already on TikTok before it got big got way fucking bigger. Yep. And it's like... You always have to be like, if there's a new platform, I'm like, yeah, I hate TikTok. I think it's cringy as shit. Sometimes I laugh at the stuff, and when the algorithm hits, it hits good. But like, I'm on TikTok because I recognize that as a platform for the kind of video content I want to do, and that I have the time to do. It's a better platform. It's going to mm-hmm. do better. And I'm like, I'm not going to say like no to t- like I have my problems with TikTok extend way beyond the content. And you know, it's like the whole like China issue thing. Like, I'm not here to like shit on chinese people it's the chinese government the ccp is evil don't listen to them blah blah blah. you know whatever and like there's all sorts of privacy concerns but like the thing is like when there's a new platform or you're a streamer and you're like man why is it that when i stream i get like 50 viewers but when i tweet about it i get like two likes Mm -hmm. it's because you haven't done shit to cultivate your twitch or your twitter following you're just reposting your twitch links and that's fucking boring dude like the algorithm's not gonna show a twitch link it's taking them off twitter what the fuck you doing (laughs) so it's like i 100 percent agree like you gotta cultivate a following elsewhere and the best part is once you get a bunch of motherfuckers on twitter you can be like hey twitter people go to twitch and start watching me you sons of bitches and then all of a sudden you get more viewers yep oh yeah Next question from Cujo. How's your journey been trying to sell all your old camera gear, Alex? Oh, fuck you, Cujo. I knew you'd ask this. <laughs> it's been a fucking nightmare. So <laughs> uh, before the pandemic, I routinely sold any sort of gear I didn't use a lot or replaced, like video cards and stuff. And I would do it on Amazon or whatever. And Amazon's reselling stuff is fucking phenomenal. Go use it. But like... I didn't know that. It's dude, it's great. Uh but you know, the pandemic hit and I switched camera systems from Canon to Fuji recently. And part of doing that is selling my gear so I can replace it with other gear. Cause you know, I'm not gonna spend a thousand dollars on a lens that I already own for another system. I'm gonna get rid of it and you know. I have gotten so far five people trying to scam me with the exact same scam for the exact same item. And 
I'm losing my fucking mind. I don't know what happened. I'm trying Facebook Marketplace and eBay and Amazon right now. I don't know what happened between now and the last time I was selling stuff, but every offer is a scam now. And fuck you all, you scamming pieces <laughs> of shit. I have people, they're like, I want you to send it to my sister in California. I will pay an extra $200 for shipping. And I'm like, so what you're saying is you're going to have me ship it to the wrong address and then you're going to try and get your money back. I'm not fucking stupid, okay? Yeah. The price of the item basically includes the shipping, you stupid fuck. I am not – don't fuck – I had someone – literally, I sent them my Venmo information, and then they were like, oh, by the way, I'm going to send you an extra $200 for shipping to ship it to my sister instead. And I was like, god damn it. I'm like, listen, I get that it's a $1,200 lens, okay? I'll sell it for 1000 I get that, that you know, big money items like that. Which is, I mean, it's a camera lens that I bought with like after working like a whole year. Don't don't get a twist. I'm not rich. Don't come try to steal me. I will shoot you. <laughs> uh, but like, I get that it's like a high value item and that attracts a certain scumbag. But like, fuck off. Like, honestly, just let me sell shit, dude. I don't want it anymore. I want to give it to. I put out like, listen, if you someone in the chat, if you need a seventy to two hundred for Canon EF, I've got a fucking killer lens for you. I will give you a discount. DM me. Seriously, I want to get rid of it so I can buy a fucking nice lens for my Fuji camera. You better not have a sister. <laughs> if you have a fucking sister and she's stuck in a washing machine right now, you can fuck off and fuck her instead because I'm not taking that dick. Sex oh my sister God. on my bed. You can't do incest. Well, uh, you can. I mean, listen, I'm not physically. Uh, next question from Nargoyle. Uh, oh shit! You know what? Nargoyle got a uh, a, a gub sifted to them. <laughs> so um, I was just gonna say good name, but yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Stanky Leg or Dougie? Fuck! I mean, the guy doing the Dougie with the ice cream truck is really fucking good. I don't know what dance this is. It's neither, and you can tell me which one it is. But where you go like this. That's, I think that's the Dougie, where you're like, that? yeah, that's the Dougie. The stanky, the stanky leg is where you just put your leg out and you act like an idiot. The, the yeah. Dougie is where you're like, ah. Oh, I don't think that's the Dougie. I thought that was the, uh. Listen, I'm the a Bernie. fucking white guy that can't dance. Don't take my word for it. The Bernie thing. My man Vans knows his fucking dances, especially if they're uh, done by white people. I will take, I will take, if you can find me a video of a person doing the dance and getting hit by a car doing it, that is the dance I like. Because I have seen videos like that, and they are the funniest thing. Yeah. <laughs> See, fucking, we were talking in Epos's chat, and someone shared a video of, like, people doing, like, uh, Fast and the Furious road racing burnouts and shit. And this car was doing donuts. And a woman just runs up to the car, and get she gets fucking sent to the moon by the rear end of the car. Like, the car smacks into her. I and she, see that. Bro, that video... Yes, that woman probably broke her hip. Is probably gonna go into severe medical debt because of the hospital bill and end up homeless. That's terrible. I'm sorry she got hit by a car, but she also got the fuck up and walked away from it like nothing happened, and it was hilarious. <laughs> we need to said one of my absolute favorite things that I have not seen on TikTok yet: the people who ram their friends with the golf carts, like when they're <laughs> up for the shot, and they just fucking ram them and they break through the fucking golf cart windshield. That shit gets me every time, dude. I, Happy Madison, 
the golf cart stunts. Chef's oh, yeah. kiss. So good. Golf carts. I've driven golf. I got to drive. A, I went to, I shot a wedding on a, on a country club and they had golf carts and I just took one and like drove around the whole thing. I spent like an hour just scooting around golf. I want a golf cart. Yeah. Oh, I need yeah. a golf cart. They're fucking sick. My uh, my friend had a vacation, or his grandparents had a vacation home somewhere in Ohio, and this super fucking ritzy. They had their mansion, and then they had a four-car garage that had a two-bedroom apartment above it that was just there for guests who came over. What and the fuck? the entire what? island, you don't pay money. You say your club number, and then they just bill it to the account. That's how fucking ritzy this was. And... In order to get anywhere, because none of us could drive, we just had a golf cart that we drove everywhere on the island, and it was fucking amazing. That shit will just like <laughs> I, I will never have life. a vacation like that ever again. Dude, my dad was doing a shoot in a for a hotel casino in like Mississippi or like a southern state, and the the facility is like this beautiful like massive like when you you know like when you're playing like hit the new hitman games and you go to a mansion oh, and there's like thousands of people all right well you, you've probably seen the trailer yeah. at some point it's like that it's like a fucking like deluxe like rich people mansion hotel place and so they were doing the shoot and like to get around the staff uses these doors that are built into the walls that when they're closed you can't tell their their doors and my dad was like, so, like, how come you guys built all these, like, crazy invisible doors? And they were like, well, actually, those were for the slaves when this was a plantation. And I'm like, ever since then, man, I've been like, fancy people are assholes. Holy fuck. <laughs> Bro, because, like, they're like, yeah, like, we when we renovated the place, because, you know, obviously over the years they renovate, we just, we kept them because they're really useful for having a hotel where you don't want the guests to see anyone working. And I'm like... Like I've I've been told like you know carting my gear around that I'm not allowed to use like the 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 public elevator because it like disrupts like the whatever I like I've gotten that treatment before but like wait staff and like you know housekeeping and stuff they live with that shit and there's right. like, I'm saying there's literally a fucking hotel out there where they got like the fucking like underground railroad entrances through the house. And they're like, for, they're still fucking using them. So fuck rich people, but I want a golf cart and a mansion that I can scoot around on. <laughs> Absolutely. I promise my house will be a fucking brand new place. None of that fucking bullshit. Fuck you, rich fucking. I bet Jeff Bezos has that shit. Oh, my. Absolutely. Fucking does. Um, Salty, there was a question here that just has the letter A. So if that was a mistake and you actually wanted to submit a question, um, go ahead and resubmit it. But you only. Um, two questions from Floof Derp, and these are our final two. Uh, would you pronounce it Phila, Philadelphia? I, I don't know how the I don't know what the fuck he's saying. It's 11, I'm gonna post in this in chat so you, somebody can fucking make sense of what the fuck Floof was talking about. Philadelphia? No. Philadelphia. No one, I don't fucking know what he's saying. Listen, I'm from Philly, dude. Okay, I say John all the fucking time, dude. John, John, dude, that's man. I say it all the time. I ain't never heard no motherfucker call it no Philadelphia dog. Fucking tripping. (laughs) Um, there's actually one of the one of my homies in my Discord now. Um, he's actually from my previous community. Have you ever heard of the band Coheed and Cambria? 
Yes. Okay. So that's what the the dragonfly on my arm is for. Oh, you can't see it. Wrong camera. This one. <laughs> so that's the the dragonfly is like the symbol for that band. And before I was on Twitch and before I was in a PC gaming community, I was a part of an online forum that was just for the band Coheed and Cambria. And that's Bruh. how we that's how we met. And he's from Philly. So I've I've stayed in downtown Philly a few times um for visiting him and for visiting somebody else. Um and I love Philly. If I'm going back down there, where are you telling me to go to get an authentic cheesesteak? Oh, fuck. Okay, so there's this place, Ishka Bibbles. They're on South Street. And okay. they're, definitely, they're definitely one of the more, like, tourist-friendly joints. Okay. But, like, if you're going for the experience of buying a Philly cheeseburger, it, they nail it. And they also do an amazing chicken cheeseburger, or chicken cheesesteak, which... I I didn't think was possible. It's fucking delicious, but like they make really good food. But they okay. also have that like, Haha, I went to Philly and got a cheesesteak because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't like, I'm okay being that guy to be honest. I'm okay no, being I mean, touristy. It's a, it's a great vibe, dude. Like you okay. got to experience the city through the lens the city wants you to view it through. Sometimes and cheesesteaks are a part of our. Like I'm from Philly. I don't fucking eat cheesesteaks. You don't I'm like? Yeah, I'm like whatever, dude. I, actually. I take that back. There's a bodega around the corner from me. It's run by like uh, Asian folks that don't speak English, which makes it real interesting when you go to order something. Um, <laughs> but like they make the best cheese stick I've ever had. So I take oh, it back. Fuck, fuck Ishka Bibbles. Come to my house. I'll walk you down to the corner store. I'll get you a $5 cheese stick that'll blow your fucking dick off. All right. Um, Ice Orb, who lives nowhere near you, said a John's roast pork. I am pretty sure. Dodger's pork is really good. You guys can judge me. Um, sometimes I like to go down a barstool food review YouTube rabbit hole of just watching him review food. <laughs> one, one bite, them's the rules. This, they say I look and sound like that motherfucker. I fucking hate it. I didn't. I don't peg you for that at all. Not at Thank all. Thank you. I deeply appreciate um, that. He went. I think he went there, and then he placed an order like an hour in advance, and he went there, and then it still wasn't enough, so we had to leave and then come back. It was pretty funny. Um, but okay, I will. I will copy and paste those. Um, I, I definitely would like to come back to Philly sometime soon because I've always had a blast. I mean, I so. Detroit's one of the places that I haven't been in America. And I've been to like a lot of cities. <laughs> not to again, not toot my fucking horn. I had to travel for work. It sucked. I've been around. Uh, yeah, I had to drive twelve hours to get to Chicago to Illinois to do it to sit in a fucking casino for a week. Oh. Uh not a fun drive, not a fun job. I got a stomach bug, it was shit, but <gasps> I had not been to Detroit. And I'm a big fan of Detroit. I think it's a very, it's a very, it's very much the the north, the the middle north of uh, or the Great Lakes version of Philadelphia. Yeah, and that it's a poor as shit city that has a fucking beautifully vibrant culture. Yeah, that is like totally about like the city. Yep. Because like you go to New York, they got no fucking culture. It's just fucking everyone hates each other and it's chaos. chaos. It's just it's fucking chaos. Yeah. I same I, thing with like LA. Like I, but yeah, no Detroit's like fuck Philadelphia, dude. I'd rather go to Detroit and get shot at. <laughs> like at least in Detroit, when I get shot at, I can shoot back without the cops fucking shooting me. Exactly. They yeah, they don't know show what's up. up. Um, Detroit's pretty awesome. I'm. I would probably be quite ashamed if i laid out all the times that i've actually like 
been downtown and experienced events on like I've been in Detroit a lot, been down there hundreds and hundreds of time over my life. But as far as like going out and experiencing the city and all it has to offer, yeah. um, I've been pretty shit at that. But that's just because like I'm I'm a homebody for the most part. Like what what I my life is lived within these walls, uh, like with, yeah. with with my girlfriend and my family and my content and gaming, like that. That's where I live. But um, I'll tell you what: the fucking electronic festival that happens down there um, every year is like one of the best things that you can go to. Um, fantastic food. Coney Islands from Detroit are absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. the, the food here, the culture here. I mean, we've got we have black, white, Polish, Asian. Um, Chaldean, uh, Arabic, Lebanese, Yemen. We have so many different pockets of culture, which means we get a lot of fucking amazing people and amazing food like all around. And um, yeah. it, it is amazing to be able to experience that because I know people that live in like Tennessee or Wisconsin that just experience <laughs> one type of person, one type of culture their entire lives. And I can say that I'm extremely fortunate to live in a place that is so diverse, um, you know, with the pros no, and the I, cons. I, it's a big thing that has been part of my life is like living in a city and having access to all these different cultures and like interesting, like architecture and food and different styles of stuff. Like it is really made me a, a more well-rounded person than I thought I was because I went to, I was working with my dad and we were shooting uh, ads for planet fitness and um, we had to go to a Planet Fitness in Canada. And it was like, you know, like right over the border from New York. Like, I forget what, like Toronto. I don't fucking know. I can't remember. But like, we basically went to like a city in Canada that was like, it was like stuck in the 90s. It was like, they had like a Starbucks and that was like the most hip or like cultured thing they had. Whoa. And like, we went to like a mall. And they had, like, the Planet Fitness we were shooting was, or one of them was in a mall. And in the mall, like, you know how, like, when you go to a mall in America, like, there's, like, kiosks with people, like, trying to sell you watches and shit? Yeah. This mall had just, like, a a massive bin, like, like, really shallow, like, a six-inch tall, like, plexiglass bin that was, like, up on, like, a stand. And it was, like, 12, 20 feet long, and it was just full of shit with price tags on it. And I'm talking, like cd players like really <laughs> old like useless shit and i'm like this place is like it's like stuck in a time capsule and has like no like really clear like well-defined cultural influences like it's just like here's your cracker barrel here's your starbucks here's your planet fitness TJ Maxx. yeah and i when i've the the one time i got to really travel abroad was to sweden and that was for work too. Um, so I didn't get, I barely got any time to like, you know, hang out in the city and like check it out. Um, but the folks we were with were all from all over the place, like uh, Poland, uh, England, America, Australia, like the, Tokyo, like all kinds of places. And I was talking to one of the guys from Poland and he was like, yeah, you know, I, one time I went to like New York or LA or something and I got to the customs place and it was like the cop was like an asshole. Like he was like, he just assumed I was like a criminal coming in to do harm, even though I'm just like a lanky Polish guy coming to like take pictures of like the big apple, you know, I'm like on vacation. 
And we talked about it for a while. And I think what we realized is that most Americans, like you say, like they live in like rural areas or they live in areas where like you, you know, you, you're born in Detroit and you die in Detroit. Like they don't travel. And it's because like we have all these issues with healthcare being expensive and wages being low. And like, so we can't afford to like travel the world, but in Europe, you know, Germany, France, England, Paris, like they're like, you could literally drive to Russia. You know what I mean? And it's like, you get, they get to experience all these different cultures and like mindsets and they have socialized healthcare. So they like have like, they can like break a leg without it ruining their entire life. Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So like they, they're just, there's like this element of like understanding and tolerance and peacefulness and happiness that comes from having like life experience that you can't get in America unless you like own a car and can afford to take work off. And like travel to like go to California for a weekend or like hit hit up some steakhouses in Texas. Like unless you get to experience that, like if you don't live in a place that has it all condensed into one area, you're missing out on so much of what America has to offer. And it's it's like criminal. That is what fucking drives me. Like that is what like I, I asked my parents because <clears throat> me and my girlfriend are thinking about moving in i would say within the the next three to five years we plan on moving and it's probably going to be colorado at this point i think is what we've landed on and like when i talk to my mom and i'm like mom are are you are you going to stay in in michigan your entire life are are you really only going to live in one space uh or in one place and they're like they, they seem to be kind of okay with it like they they entertain the thought in their mind, but as far as like actually making a decision to like go, it's like, well, we got friends here, we got family, and it's like I can't, I cannot think about staying here my entire life. The, the entire yeah. fucking world. Not we're not even talking about the universe. We're talking about our one little speck of a fucking shit planet. You're yeah. gonna stay in one place, um, but I, I think it's just, um, it's like the same question. Like I remember when I was talking to my mom about Twitch, I, I hid Twitch from my parents for five years. They had no idea. And it was like this huge time sink. They had absolutely no idea. And I'm, I'm like, mom, like I'm a workaholic. I love hobbies. I love being productive. I'm like, what do you love to do? And she's like, well, sometimes I come home and, um, I read magazines. I'm like, oh, what? What, no, what I do mean, you do it's... for fun? And it's, we're at some on different levels. No, I, I uh, I realized recently that like I spent a lot of my time doing stuff like whether it's like being entertained by like you know social media or YouTube or something or like watching Netflix or taking images or building audio cables or playing games like I am so engrossed in doing something all the time that like there's like an element of human connection that I fucking miss and it's like I it's like part of it's the pandemic part of it's just like me and my wife it's like sometimes we feel like we live in two separate bubbles in the same house yeah and um i totally understand the like mentality of like i just come home and do nothing but at the same time like you know i'm i'm in like my early mid 30s i'm going through the existential crisis phase of my life where like i think about dying all the time which is like scary mm-hmm. and it's like if i don't distract myself i start thinking about like all the like bills and i'm gonna have a kid soon and it's like that's a huge fucking responsibility and i'm like i gotta stay keep my mind off of things and i think it mostly it's going stir crazy from the pandemic yeah oh yeah definitely. but like i could not imagine knowing that the grand canyon exists that seattle exists that like you know that niagara falls exists te- cheese steaks uh, like as much as I hate Florida, Key West is incredible. Like I, there's all these places that are accessible to me to a certain extent. 
that like I couldn't imagine just being content with not going to or not living near or or having the chance to experience in some way because like America is one of the few countries on earth where we have everything we've got like arctic winter weather we've got deserts we've got forests we've got all sorts of this crazy shit and it's all 3,000 miles away from Mm -hmm. from everything else and like it's it sucks that it's all spread out so far but because of that it's like you can get in a plane and you can go to the other side of the country and have a completely different experience and um Thanks to the pandemic, don't fly. It's a bad idea. You will get COVID and die. I'm not a doctor, but fucking be smart. It is really cheap to just get a plane ticket and go somewhere right now. And if you can take time off work this summer, if you get vaccinated, go somewhere, dude. Just take the money you would spend for Christmas. Fuck your family. Fuck gifts. Go to the Grand Canyon for a weekend and just look at it. I, I hiked in the Grand Canyon, like down to Plateau Point and back. We did like round trip nine and a half hours. I have never been more physically exhausted in my fucking life. But I will never forget looking into the Grand Canyon when I had after I had walked five hours and thinking, if I make one wrong move, I'm gonna fall down this thousand foot cliff and die. But it was like it was so incredible. And I'm like it's not an experience that's out of reach. Like maybe yeah. now when you're 20 or something and you're like working a nine to five job you hate, like, yeah, it's probably not affordable, but start planning now, like p- start putting money in your savings. Because when you turn like 45 and you're like, I, I want to see shit, you could be loaded and mm-hmm. have the money to go and do the things because you saved your money. And I'm telling you, like, I'm a completely different person because I got to see like my wife and I, we went to Las Vegas to get married and it was like, you know, we spent like three days, four days there. And it was like, it was life changing for both of us because like I've, I've been to Vegas before for work. I've been like in and out of a hotel this time. Like we walked the strip and it was fucking wild. Like there's strippers handing out their business cards. It's fucking great. She, uh, she got to see like Red Rock Canyon, which is like, one of the cool spots in Nevada. Yeah. And it was like, it was like super dope. And like my goal, have a kid, save a bunch of money. And then when we're like 45, 50 years old, we're gone, dude. I'm fucking, we're going to sell everything, buy an RV and yeet. Like, once that kid is old enough to deal with his own shit, yeet. <laughs> and uh, I haven't really talked to my wife about this so much, so it's probably oh, I know about the first time. But like, I'm just saying, it's like it's one of those things where you gotta do it. You gotta go. You gotta um, go. Also, I I think regardless, I mean, it's better if you'd like to party. Um, New Orleans was probably one of my absolute favorite places to be around. I'm just like the vibe. Not only did we hang out on Bourbon Street. We also did like we did a swamp tour, we did a ghost tour, we did oh, a couple of like activities sick. and stuff. And New Orleans was just like people say that New York is alive. New Orleans is alive. Like they are alive yeah. in culture. And um it is such a, a fucking cool to a, a cool place to visit. And um yeah, I'm you know, I'm I'm sad because like when my girlfriend moved in, we were both financially like kind of fucked and we're slowly getting ourselves out of that and then of course like by the time we wanted to travel a lot covid hit and so we're really looking to once this is done to to spend some time time going places because it's so fucking important and um i'm I'm really excited to to when we can travel again yeah i um 
this because we're having a kid i had to start taking money really seriously right and like start planning for like you know i'm not just planning for my retirement i'm planning for like college and stuff for our kid and um it was it was kind of eye-opening how much money i was just like not using for like something useful and like i got a credit card last year and i have i'm debt adverse like i'm very much like don't rack up debt so i keep a credit card just to have a credit score basically Mm -hmm. but like i it is it's one of those things where it's like yeah like just because you don't have the money now doesn't mean that like in five or ten years you won't and it's like it's so much easier to travel when you have a lot of money. Oh yeah. It's so much easier cuz you you can just afford to pay for hotels and stuff and like I have lived most of my life in terms of traveling, traveling for work. So like I've seen the inside and outside of hotels and cities and never seen the cities themselves mm. and it's the worst way to travel. Like Oh yeah. And um and I'm I'm still really fortunate that I've gotten to see like San Francisco and like the monument valley in utah and stuff like i i'm very very fortunate and i hope to be able to share that experience with like my entire family you know that i'm like in the future like i hope it's something i can give my kids and you know my wife and myself but like uh it definitely sucks when you're like working really hard and you're you're trying to save money and it's like it just goes in in one pocket and not the other, and you're like, but I could have fucking paid for like a Disney vacation with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. It's yeah. When you're just working just to exist, it is definitely the most the most gut wrenching thing. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the one upside is because everyone's working from home right now. You're not spending money on gas. Yeah. Get rid of your car for a few months. I mean, shit, dude. You could save a lot of money right yeah. now. Yeah. If been, you're blessed to have work, by the way. Yeah, that too. Um, I've been fortunate enough to. Um, put a bunch of money towards bills like within the past year um, just because of negligence and fear. I had racked up about $6,000 worth of dental work that had needed to get done in the past like year and a half. And it's all done now, but I had to take a good portion of that and put it um, on a credit card. And I'm like, now that my student loans got put on pause, I like I put all my money towards this other credit with this insane interest rate. And I'm going to come on the outside of the pot or the, on the outside of the pandemic with like less debt and it was like yeah i know it was super fucking hard for everybody but for me personally the pandemic was such a nice breather because there was no traveling there was no gas money there a lot of bills were put on hold and it, it allowed me to reallocate funds to things that have been weighing on me for years and years and years and i'm just like i'm sort of kind of thankful for it because it was just no, like it I- gave me a chance so I know this is kind. Con- it's definitely probably hopefully anyway. This is the most controversial thing I will have said tonight. So when I look back in ten years, I don't lose a job uh, over this. But like the pandemic has been a horrific, tragic, mortifying event for the world to live through. But I think it's particularly in America, it's opened people's eyes to things like universal basic income and socialized medicine and how valuable and important those things are to have. Mm-hmm. And I think despite the the pain and misery that the pandemic has caused, it has kickstarted a sea change in the way Americans think about dealing with this stuff. Like Tina, uh, my wife, like she's ha- she's her maternity leave isn't paid and she's a teacher and she's going to be on maternity leave it's in the summer insane. when she's not working anyway. And it's like, it's like, dude, like the reason 
the maternity leave is unpaid. To have maternity leave, you got to have an insurance adjuster, and the insurance adjuster comes up with a plan, and then they got to navigate all the laws and regulations associated with insurance, and then the insurance company's got. There's like this whole chain of like people that have jobs dedicated to just filling out paperwork for shit like this, and it's like the reason socialized medicine is so great is because they just said, "Fuck that entire chain." Just give it to everyone, and then we don't have to pay an insurance company billions of dollars a year to, like, employ people to push paper around. And instead of doing that job, they could work in administration and in hospitals and doctor's offices. Like, And it's like it's going to take a long time to get over this, the pandemic and our healthcare system. But I think mm-hmm. the pandemic has, like, finally made people realize, like, hey, maybe if people didn't have to die because they don't have enough money to pay for their medical bills – Life would be better for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the dental stuff gets me because I I had a cavity that turned into a fractured tooth, like a fractured wisdom tooth, and it exposed the nerve and it was incredibly painful. So I, I didn't have insurance at the time. So I went to like a student uh, dental program in the city because our colleges have like really good medical programs and really good student programs that are overseen by like professors that are doctors. And I was like, I just, I can't live like this. Like, I need to get it taken out. And they wouldn't do it. They were like, the earliest we could do is two days from now. And I'm like, I can't live that long. Like, this pain is excruciating. And so I ended up going to my wife's doctor. And we weren't married at the time. And she had health insurance through her job. And her, the dentist's office, I sat down in the chair. A dude came in with with an iPad and was like, so your bill today will be $750. And I was like, whatever, just get it out. Yeah, please. Dennis came in, stuck me six times with lidocaine shots, took a spatula, like a little tiny metal spatula. 30 seconds, I was in and out of that procedure. They charged me $750 fucking dollars to literally extract a busted tooth. Oh, my God. If I, if I didn't have a, a, a stable job, I would have not been able to pay rent that month, and I would have been in trouble. Like, so I, I was, when it comes, it's, and I, I, <laughs> dentistry gets me because it's not covered yeah. by most insurance plans. And so I feel your pain to like an extreme extent because you, you should have absolutely no medical debt whatsoever. Teeth right. are essential. And if yeah. you, even if you don't have health insurance, how the fuck are you going to eat without teeth, my dude? So it should be covered. It should be free. All yeah. healthcare should be free. So I feel you. Oh man, what struck a nerve with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, um, we're about at the two and a half hour mark, so I think that is a good place to cut it there. Um tonight was the perfect way for me to debut what I'm trying to do here on Twitch. So thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to entertain some conversation, to shoot yeah, the shit. Of course. Um I'm happy. It, was, it was awesome to have you on here, dude. Uh, listen, it was a privilege and an honor because, like, I, I've left my career on on social media and YouTube and Twitch as a background player. Like, I'm an editor, so I'm like not the face of anything, and it's like a privilege to be able to like share what I have to say, which is still fucking valuable. God damn it! Uh, without having to be a fucking goddamn celebrity, right? So I or limited the opportunity to 240 characters. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Well, uh, hey, do me a favor. Um, take this opportunity to kind of shout yourself out. Go over your social media platforms. If there's anything that you have that's coming up, anything you want to shout out, sell out, 
now's the chance. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that's my show time. Uh, no, follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at Technical DIY. It want to be technically Alex, but some asshole sitting on it. He won't give it to me. Technical DIY on Twitter. Follow me there because I announce literally everything I do from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep on Twitter. It's useful information most of the time, useful links, and I stream on YouTube from Monday night to Thursday night. Obviously, I'm not doing it tonight because I'm here. Uh, we play games. It's a fun time. You come hang out. As far as what I'm actually doing, I'm working on creating more content about videos, uh, video production, like with OBS and webcams and stuff. I'm working on starting up that whole, like, the cool photographer, vlogger thing. Not Casey Neistat, but talking about doing photography and showing pictures of that sort of thing you're interested in. Uh, follow me on Twitter. You'll find links to all my YouTube content there. And uh, uh, wear a mask and get vaccinated, you fucking assholes. Yeah, I'm actually I'm just about to <laughs> sign up for my, my spot in line. Uh, Bro, the next stick couple days. me in both arms at the same time. I fucking <laughs> juice me up. <laughs> Uh, all right, dude. Um, so I am going to continue on um, with the stream, hanging out with people. I bid you adieu again. Thank you so much for coming on here and That's my pleasure, dude. Helping me, you know, debut the, the new format. I would love to have you back. Um, and if, if there is, if there's ever a time where you're like, yo, I want to shoot this shit on Crocs and Hot Pockets, feel free to just like shoot me a message and see if we can find a time to do so. Hell yeah! Awesome. All right, man. Thanks for playing, and uh, catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for checking out this episode of the Crocs and Hot Pockets podcast. If you'd like to catch the show live, it airs on Twitch on my channel at twitch.tv slash knackers at 9 p.m. every single Sunday. If you would like to check out the most recent episode of the podcast, you can probably click this little box here. And if you feel like checking out some of our highlights, you can maybe click this little box down here. And maybe I'll even put a little thing for you to click right here. No? Bye.